0: and welcome back to prequalizers a.k.a. Season 6 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack
1: Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Mr. Matthew Stockton. Tell me about April 19th. April 19th, 3 a.m. to be precise. That's my buffy. Hey. I was watching that and I was like, oh, it's Matt's birthday. That's exciting. <laughs> April nineteenth means nothing. It never does until smoking aces two. Fucking hell.
0: <laughs> Yay <laughs> How exciting. Does that does that make you happy
1: that you're immortalized in this hot pile of shite? Just just introduce the other person. Fuck you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, speaking of people being immortalized. Joining us also is Tim Matum.
2: Mom, Joel Edgerton came all over my jacket again.
1: <laughs> it's just cinnamon rolls. Come on, man. <laughs>
0: Why is Joel Edgerton right? We're, we're fixing Smoking Aces Two. Spoiler alert: you've seen the title, Smoke and Aces Two: Assassins Ball. Why is Joel Edgerton a Russian mafia dude who comes on jackets? What, what's with that? <laughs> that? That's in that's in the that's in the good film. Well, he's, the
2: first one. He- he's 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 both that and he is uh someone wearing joel edgerton's face face as a mask
0: yeah yeah <laughs> so weird god the cast in the first movie Let, let's let's jump straight into it like the cast in the first film is so incredibly star-studded by today's standards but full of just random shit sometimes like that moment <laughs> with joel edgerton like ah, that russian dude in the in the tracksuit kind of looks like joel edgerton it is joel edgerton why the fuck is joel edgerton in this film how weird and we all know i hate joel edgerton <laughs> he's one of the he's one of the many bland white dudes of hollywood
1: one of the davids as you call them
0: yeah one of the davids no no, no they're the producers the oh that's true yes, yeah. the worst. He, he's he's the he's, a he's the Hedlund, Scott Eastwood dude. and Jai Courtney and Garrett Headland and all those one of the Jai's. insert generic white dude here the, the not Chris's, as it were.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the sub Chris's. The way you could get a
1: star studded cast is that in the 60s and 70s, and to be fair, probably further back in things, but most importantly in the 70s, I think, there was a huge wave of ensemble cast pieces. It's like Cannonball Run and all that kind of stuff. And you have various pockets of it happening again, but not as successful. The, the sort of fade out of it would have been something like Police Academy, for example. We have a big, big cast of big characters being very silly, etc. And you get a bit of it as a revival in the early two thousands in the form of a handful of things like Smoke and Aces and Rat Race as well. And you think, how do you get all these huge oh, yeah. names? Even like Love Actually, for example, is the same sort of vibe. And the way you get it is because you say, oh my God, we got we got Ben Affleck and we got Ryan Reynolds and we got um I mean Rayleigh Officer. So Ryan Reynolds was like the
0: rom com guy in two thousand and six,
1: right? I mean, yeah, not fairly. Yeah, he was. He's, he was. He was. Van Wilder still. So he was still like sort of teen comedy. But these were oh, like up yeah, and coming. Yeah, Wilder. Yeah, they were all up and coming names. I mean, they were still big, big drawers as it were.
2: I mean, Ben Aff- Ben Affleck was a big name by this. Yes, yes he you was definitely. Know, this was, this he's, was, done <laughs> he's done Daredevil. He, he's done Daredevil. He's post. Goodwill uh, Hunting, Armageddon, mm-hmm. post Goodwill Hunting, post Pearl Harbor. You know he's the- an
1: Oscar winner, so you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I I'd say Ben Affleck, Andy Garcia, Ray Liotta would have been the big the big names of the film, I think. And then you have just a, a, a smorgasbord of people like, oh shit, it's that guy who then became huge names later, like Chris Pine and so on. But um, you had a lot of these ensemble pieces that would exist, and you get like, oh, we got Ben Affleck. How crazy is that? It's like, yeah, how how many days were we shooting Ben Affleck? Well, we got him for three days. (laughs) Okay. And because you have so many people... I mean, we're going to come onto this later about my own experiences with stuff, unfortunately, but in a positive light. Um, Because you have such a huge, huge cast, it's manic for the crew. It's manic for the director. But for the cast, it's like, yeah, just turn up, do four or five days, it'd be a lot of fun. You're like, eh, fuck it, I'll do that. The worst attempt at a film like this, by the way, is Movie Forty Three. That's oh wow, that's an yeah. anthology piece. so It's a <laughs> bit different, but it's the nature of oh, we'll mm. just we'll just do little bits that tick over. Isn't that considered like one of the worst films ever made? It's one of the biggest wastes of talent. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: huge, amazing cast, and it's an absolute pile of shit. Precisely, and like offensively bad.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna come in here and uh, I, I'm fixing this one. And I, 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 I sort of took that approach and kind of ramped it up almost, and took inspiration from uh, a trend that was more or less happening at the uh, at the same time as Smoking Aces Two, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get onto. Which doesn't really do what Smoking Aces does. It kind of just has one narrative that it follows. Yeah. And I say it was there was a trend. Really, it was the work of one director making three different films, mm-hmm. and that was Gary Marshall. <laughs> with New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, oh, and Mother's yeah, Day, yeah, which did the similar thing films. of getting a star-studded casts, and again by doing the thing of being like, yeah, it'll only take like four days to shoot your part, and then you, you know, and you'll get a decent you, you know, you're not going to get a, a, a the full-sized paycheck that these stars expect, yeah, but you're you're done in four days rather than it taking six weeks to shoot. a It's film. a quick
1: job, and you'll be on screen credits with other people. It'll be fun. And they'll go, yeah, fuck, I'll do yeah. it. I've got three days.
2: Yeah. Um, so I very much took that approach with mine, where I was like, okay, we're having lots and lots of narratives uh, which will enable us to have some quote unquote decent star power. Mm. Uh, but they're all, they're not necessarily, you know, a ma- there's not a main thrust to the story. It's very hard to
1: know what the main character is, because I think that one of the big problems with Smoke and Ace is the original in the first place, is that it's a very polar film, or bipolar film, I should say where you have this, this really wacky action film that's full of nonsense and high-stakes high, high stakes silliness, and then you've got Ray Liotta and Ryan Reynolds in a relatively grounded, straightforward cop drama. Like, yeah, nah. they're, they're the straight men to the whole thing, yeah, pretty much. Aren't they? Bit of a tonal shift.
2: Yeah, it, the tone of the original Smoking Aces is, is so all over the place. Mm. And it really, I don't necessarily enjoy the kind of the baser stuff, uh, the, the more, you know, wacky hijinks, sure. but I think it does that more successfully for the most part yeah. than when it tries to get serious. <laughs> yeah. I think what it's aiming for is to be Tarantino. Basically. That's probably very true. I would agree with that. You know, with the, with the, with the kind of twisting different narratives, you know, Mm. different, uh, multiple kind of protagonist type things. It kind of wants to be pulp fiction by way of kill Bill. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but it, 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 it fails to pull that off. And whenever it goes for gravitas, when it's got, yeah, when it's Ryan Reynolds, when it's Ray Liotta, it tries to do it with Jeremy Piven, who is a, like, has basically made his career playing fundamentally unlikable people (laughs) very true and is playing a real asshole here Mm. and then like halfway two-thirds of the way through the film it's like oh but don't you feel sad for him and it's like no you've given me no reason to feel sad for this asshole i'm looking forward to him dying um and like there like when it when it tries to do that, I'm just like my. I, I just kind of want to throw popcorn at the <laughs> screen and go like, "Boo! Stop trying to make me like this guy." Yeah, um, it's not
1: working. It's 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 he's a bad person. He has bad motives, mm. and at the end of the day, he's also and it, which things you can kind of work around. Think well, like if you take um, the town for example, another Ben Affleck film, Ben Affleck directed, ben mm. Affleck, him and Jeremy Renner, a, a good Jeremy Renner performance, by the way, for people who want to know. Yeah, um, mm. he. Those characters are thugs and criminals, but you want them to succeed. You want them to get out of the life, etc. Whereas Piven is like, yeah, he's a sleazy Vegas living douchebag and he turns on everybody, including his friends, and he's a sc- scummy twat and he brought this all on himself. Hubris and etc. Yeah. will bring this on his own head and I'm fine with that. That's that's the attitude I got from the whole thing as opposed to, oh fuck, I hope he makes it out this, all right. It's like, no... I hope he gets a big old bullet in yeah, the face. Yeah, I
0: don't think you're ever supposed to like Buddy, are you? So yeah. He's just a uh, just a sleazy scummy. But like half the cast are, and it's this weird thing of like, it's trying to do this like, oh look at all these cool hitmen and cool, and it very much tries to do that in the second one. And I think oh, yeah. taking that tone from the first one, we talked about the the tonal shift between the cops and the rest of the the mad quote unquote action True. scenes. Because uh, the second one, I that fucking film, yeah. But it 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 really dials that wackiness up to eleven, where there's like the Nazis are literally cartoon characters in the second yes. one. It's like, okay, they were they were silly and over the top, and the neo-Nazi like hmm. Chris Pine, the, the Tremors yeah. were all pretty like wacky and stuff. But they have like a big cartoon dude, like the big fat dumb one, is in a yeah. fucking armor suit and he's running around yeah. basically. With learning difficulties because he's the big fat one, and they have a fucking tank thing that they yeah. just fire. And, oh yeah. god!
2: They hijack a circus. Oh yep, yep,
0: exactly. Yeah, and it really takes those wacky bits, the 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 crazier action bits from the first one, and just dials them up to eleven in a way that just doesn't work because they don't have the fucking budget for no. it. No, at least yeah. <laughs> the first one, some of the action scenes they're they're, they're pretty pretty decent. It's fine direction, like, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I don't particularly like either of these films, but the first one is a fuck-time better than the <laughs> second one.
1: I'll give you the, the, the summation of my review, if I
0: may. Oh, I, I love it when we can refer back to... The past. The red right-hand.co.uk
1: of the past. So Matt wrote a review I in 2006, I want to say. The release was there was January twenty two thousand seven, but the, I was at a screening earlier. And I was 23 at the time. The fact that I was 23 is key to this, because I thought, eh, this is all right. And the more I... You know, obviously I'm... You know, a more, uh, over a decade has passed, uh, nearly 15 years. And I'm like, oh, did I write a lot of embarrassing shit? And it's like, of course you did. It was the past. Always I be embarrassed so. by it. But my actual summation, I'm like, oh, no, I completely still agree with that. Fine. Okay. So I don't think we've had a moment where we've gone back to one of your old reviews
0: and we've gone, oh, Matt, oh, no, have we? Die <laughs> <laughs> hard think for me. I was a bit you- too lenient.
1: Yeah. Did you give Prometheus quite a good rating at the yeah, time? Yeah, I thought it was all right. And I still stand by that. I think it's all right still. So, yeah. yeah but, um, but that's 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 the opinion now. So my summation was... I, I hate things harder than you, do I feel? <laughs> that's fair. My, my, try, try my to, my I hate plenty, rage. but I think I've seen so much that by comparison, it ain't that bad. That's, that's a good point. So, too messy to produce anything of true worth, but the degree of fine acting compensates when the script cannot. I i'm fine yeah. with that summation yeah. three yeah. out of five yeah. and i'm like yeah. yeah three out of five sounds about right to me it's not yep. it's, I'd, it's, I'd give this a three out of five the production's not, not good terrible. the yeah. writing's questionable but the actual on-screen stuff in terms of the the, the production design the 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 direction the camera movements the, the editing on the jacket that's classic it's it's serviceable
2: i mean it's it's kind of a fascinating film because as as interesting and uh sort of star-studded both at the time and kind of looking back now as it is it deploys its cast kind of in the worst way possible mm. <laughs> because it puts all of its charisma in the wrong places like mm. it has ryan reynolds playing the straight man which he's he's fine he's, at, fucking but he's not Deadpool. particularly good yeah. him to yeah. be the funny one and and he doesn't his character is given so little to do like he's he's the ostensible protagonist
0: yeah that that's what confused me as well as like
2: he disappears for a big chunk of the film and then he comes back at the end to to have this big ethical quandary supposedly <laughs> at the end of the film which i do who gives a fuck about that at the end like the, the kind of the twists and stuff exactly um
0: yeah because as you said messner just kind of like sh- shows up at the end and it's like well yeah arrives at the hospital." And I- okay I'm like oh there's the there's the big twist so it was hired by Sparazza oh my god can you believe it and he just unplugs them both and leaves it's like okay or do we care he's been in the film (laughs) for like 40 minutes total and these films are like both 90 minutes long or something like they are Mm. pelting along like they're pretty fast-paced yeah he hardly I feel like he hardly gets any opportunity to give a shit about Ryan Reynolds. And as you said, in theory, he's the fucking protagonist. So we should do. If we don't give a shit about Buddy Israel, who's the guy who we're supposed to care about because he's going to get killed, we should at least care about the fucking cop who's supposed to be the main character. But we don't mm. because, mm. as you said, Tim, we don't get a chance to. And <laughs> Ryan Reynolds yeah. is like, I'm going to play this one straight.
2: And then you also have stuff like you've got Chris Pine as a neo-Nazi mm. and he gives this weird, sort of weirdly... Sensitive performance <laughs> um, with a with a decent amount of like charisma behind it, and so you're left like, oh, I liked that guy. Oh, wait, he's a neo-Nazi.
0: <laughs> do, do we have more empathy for the neo-Nazi than we do for the FBI agent? Like,
1: I, th- yes. I think
0: I think you got this one wrong. I think you got the mix. Did you did yeah. you cast the Did you write the right thing? I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> I sent the wrong envelopes to the wrong people. Oh no, they're in the wrong roles. <laughs> Um, it, it is also frustrating that I, I realize actually we've done a sort of not necessarily cardinal sin, but we have done something that's not very good of us. So I apologize in advance. Smoke and Aces is the story of a <laughs> 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 just very briefly what actually happened. It's the story of a Vegas magician and performer who gets in with the mob, gets in very deep. They love him for some reason. As in the quote in the film is wise guys love this guy for some reason. And what's his name, Matt, or nickname? Buddy. Israel. Nickname. Aces. Yes. Aces. Ah. yeah, ah. Buddy Aces Israel, played Get by it? Jeremy Pippen. Smoking Aces, right? Like yeah, that well-known phrase? Smoking his his dick. <laughs> um, So... He has a hit put out on him because he starts getting a taste for the gang life, and he starts doing stuff that's way out of his control. And it's like you are pissing off the wrong people. So far, that's you know what is allegedly Sinatra territory. That's the thing that actually you know has happened in the yep. past.
2: And he's he's threatening to go to to kind of turn over everything he knows to the FBI.
1: And of course, there's like well, now we got a problem. So they put out a hit on his head, and all these very colourful characters descend on this one hotel in Vegas to get him. And you have a range of people, just in general, uh, from ex-cops working as these sort of bonds collecting, neo-Nazis, the FBI themselves keeping an eye on everything. Um, there's two female mercenaries, there's Alicia Keys and Taraji P. Hansen. And just lots of people just just heading towards... And and also, like, uh, there's one aloof sort of killer who is the master of disguise, as it were. And it's all very... It's all, it's all coming to a head in this hotel. The problem is because it's a very short film, as Jack has pointed out, all the tension and build-up kind of falls away a bit because you think, shit, this is going to kick off in the third act. And it, mm. it mostly does, except a lot of them don't get there. They die on yeah. the way. <laughs> um, it's like watching salmon swimming upstream and a couple of bears take them out, and you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Well, yeah. I was look-
2: I was looking forward to Ben Affleck salmon. I was, I was looking forward to seeing all those fish have sex.
1: <laughs> yeah, now all I've got is this one fish going... <laughs> <sighs> film's over um and um and that's uh chris pine's character but no it's 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 a very strange thing so at the end of the movie it concludes with this thing that's a complete 180 where you have this moment of actual genuine tension in a in a lift won't get too too much into it where uh is it nesta Carbonell? carbonel yeah the, the guy, guy with from intense Lost. eyes yes yes i remember as the mayor of uh Gotham in the Dark yes. Knight trilogy. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so he um, kills Ray Lothar, this character and there's a moment actually a genuine tension and genuine connection between him and, and Ryan Reynolds. It's, it's quite well done, actually. Uh, and also confusion from Taraji P. He ends' character. She starts unloading a fucking 50 cal like M82, straight into the building from another hotel. That's that's a really fun little scene. I really enjoy that quite a lot. Yeah,
2: that's a that's a really competently put together yeah. little action tension scene.
1: Precisely. And of course, Clint Mansell's the guy doing the music, so it's actually a really cool score in the background as well. Anyway, so this is going on. And you think to yourself, oh, shit, shit, shit. Then a few small other things happen that I won't go too much into for, I guess, spoiler reasons. I, I spoiled the ending, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> the big twist is that the hit put out in the first place is that actually Jeremy Piven's character, Buddy Aces, Israel, is actually the kid of the main mob boss, and it's actually a family feud, and you're like, holy shit. And Ryan Reynolds go decides that this whole thing, or this, because it talks about this for a flashback to his old FBI agent who was going undercover, turns out that the mob boss is the old FBI agent. You're like, oh, shit. And that's a relatively interesting plot point. Badly it's delivered.
2: super telegraphed, though. Oh, yeah. And that's because, the problem. It's very obvious. For no, for no reason in like the first 15 minutes, they start talking about, oh, yeah, Sperazzo, he took out the... This old FBI agent, one of the original FBI guys, who, who was an expert at going undercover, mm-hmm. and Sperazzo took him out, and And let me talk a bit more about this old FBI agent for no apparent reason. <laughs> yep. This definitely won't be relevant later.
1: So plot-wise, that would have been fine. But as you say, and to be fair, I think a little bit of signposting, I can understand why they did it. Not defending it too much, mm. because there are so many fucking people in this movie that you'd forget. So I can, I can sort of not forgive it, but I understand it. Anyway, so then Ryan Reynolds is like, well, this has all been for shit. My friend died for nothing. You know what I'm going to do? These two fuckers on life support that can give away the entire, you know, just literally hand over all criminal activity and pull the plugs on life support. Beep! I'm the door. You can't come in here. And I'm going to hand him a badge and gun. Yeah, I'm not, cool. not an Echo person anymore. And it's like, wow, you're in a different movie. And even then, I yeah. put it in, my, in my review, it's like, this feels like two or three movies fighting each other. Um, but that's the base principle of what Smoking Aces
2: is. Um, not to to harp on the uh, crime boss is actually FBI twist yes because it's so completely un like it's it's super unnecessary you you have the twist of oh it turns out Jeremy Piven is actually the crime boss's son mm. then you have the twist of oh he doesn't want to kill him because he's going to the FBI he wants to kill him so he can have his heart for a heart because he's a
0: donor i guess cuz he's his son yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a
1: ruthless thing and i don't mind that
2: yeah and then you then you have the twist of Oh, and it turns out that the guy is the FBI agent. And like that is so completely unnecessary. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind the clumsy way that it's set up if it was more central, but you could oh, yeah. take that in, you could take that entire twist out and it would not affect the film. Uh one one iota.
0: I agree. Oh, and what's the twist in Smokin Aces two? Huh? Ooh. I wonder. That was oh. even more <laughs> fucking annoying and painful. Jesus. Is it um is it is it the, the old police guy, the old agent? Is uh, it's uh, I don't know. Is he um, hmm, let's see, is he some kind of mob boss or something?
1: (laughs) (sighs) Who saw that one coming? Here's an interesting question: Smoking Aces Two. I know why it isn't a sequel because most most of the characters are dead by the end of the film. Why is it a prequel? (laughs) (laughs) Because reasons. The, the, The only returning characters technically are one of the Tremor brothers. Yep. By the way. The one we don't know. He d- he does really well in, in Smoke and Aces. He's very ratty, like all over the place. But mm. I couldn't give a fuck in Smoke he's, Aces he's one
2: He's the the least famous of the Tremor brothers.
1: Yes, he's not
2: Chris Pine. One is Chris. He's not Chris Pine. He's not Kevin Duran. Yeah, he's the
1: other he's one.
0: Maury he's Sterling. Who Maury Sterling? Fuck Maury Sterling. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and to be fair, again, the, his entrance
1: into in Smoke and Aces One is better than Kevin Duran's. The three of them get out of a car. He gets out and he's just straight into camera. Looks up and then he just starts getting a sharpie marker out and draws a Hitler tash on himself. And I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. And yep. then yeah. Kevin Durant just gets out and sits on the hood of the car. That's fairly flat. And then you got in the back seat Chris Pine chewing on a fucking chicken bone. And I'm like, <laughs> this is brilliant because it's so fucking stupid, but I love it and I that, 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 that I'd enjoy. But none of that, in terms of the quality of the production design or the budget or any of that shit, is present in this prequel, Smoke and Aces 2, Assassin's Ball. Uh, And the other returning
0: character you've got is Tommy Tommy Flanagan's Laszlo Soot, the Master of Disguise, the legendary Hungarian hitman from the first one who... He's so Scottish,
2: it's so obviously Scottish, why is he Hungarian?
0: (laughs) One of the most Scottish men in the world.
2: There is technically one more returning character because uh, there is an FBI agent in the prequel who says about how he's currently undercover as a club owner because the FBI base has a club on top of it for some yes. reason in this film. Of Fucking course. jazz. Um, yes. Uh, jazz. And he says how he's got another car- uh, another undercover persona that he's working on that's a gangster guy. and oh, And fuck. he shows up in, or rather... He is the same oh, character yeah. from Smoking Aces. I did
0: Of course he is. Agent Little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. of course.
2: Uh, I forget the name of the character he plays in Smoking Aces, but we uh, we find out that the character who had no he's, indication he's, that he was an undercover burning FBI. He's in the first one. That's it. Yeah, um, I watched them recently. Mm. Yeah, there was no <laughs> indication that, that he was Fucking anyone love. other than he's supposed to there's be. Still, no. There's
0: just the unnecessary twists that, like, they think... This, that's what the whole film hinges around It's like You will never see this twist coming And they build it up as like It's like it's a fucking M. Night Shyamalan film like, Where the twist actually fucking matters Like Oh But this guy's undercover as well it's Like, I don't know who he is
1: I don't give a fuck Here's a, here's a, here's a fucking sentence for you okay. If you're going to cast A meek desk jockey, wheelchair-bound character who's like, why would they come after me? Don't cast Tom fucking Berenger, the guy from Platoon who had to be calmed down by Willem Dafoe. If you're being calmed down by Willem Dafoe, you're not the kind of individual who can be like, oh, I I was just in this accident with my wife and kids, oh no,
2: I'm in a wheelchair, oh, don't worry about me.
1: And in the same year that Tom Berenger was in fucking Inception, no. Yep.
2: Um, so we should. So I'd imagine that some people have seen Smoking Aces who, who are listening to this. Some people, yeah. I doubt many people have seen Smoking Aces 2, no. Assassin's Ball, which was a straight to DVD release. Mm.
0: You can and fucking it, tell.
2: It, you will get, <laughs> get into that. Um, so just to summarize that quickly, it is a prequel, technically, about a low or, or like a mid level FBI agent, a kind of desk jockey a uh, guy a wheelchair-bound mm. desk jockey guy who is played by uh, Tom Berenger as we mentioned um True. who suddenly gets a hit for 3 million dollars put on him that has to be carried out at a specific time My birthday. Um, on on Matt's yep. birthday and Line so the, the FBI puts him into this protective custody in like a bunker underneath a bar that's staffed exclusively by FBI agents I think the justification Fucking there is is it's something to do with Prohibition. Like, it used to be a Prohibition. It's Chicago, yeah. Yeah, they, they talk about
0: that. They talk about, oh, we yeah. used to use this to just move the weapons and the
1: booze or whatever. It's like, But they've also yeah. gone off the grid. There's no pensions if they fail. Like, yeah, what?
2: yeah. So you, again, have a bunch of assassins coming for him. You have other parts of the Tremor clan. One of the Tremor brothers that we're familiar with. They're the neo-Nazis. Uh, yeah, the neo-Nazis. The Tremor father. Um,
1: we'll come back to that in a minute, because...
2: Yeah. Fritz. Uh, yeah. Another, another brother and a and a, and a Tremor sister. Mm. Um, we have a female uh, assassin who does poison, uh, and we have Vinnie Jones, who's just sort of a tough guy with sort of gadgets, he, maybe? His,
0: his hitman name is The Surgeon, even though... It, it's
2: because yes.
1: in the opening scene... He um performs. He talks. He shaves a guy's head, and he's like, "Did you know parts of the brain? If you smash in, like you know, in your frontal cortex, it takes your eyesight away." And It's like,
0: "Yes." Are you about to Hannibal Lecter, Ray Liotta, this shit? Like, <laughs> kind of.
1: <laughs> I assumed he was going to do the yeah monkey brains and all that bullshit. And of course, it's it's Finbar McTeague, of course. And um, and Vinny Jones then does when he gets she does his. You know, going to the location. He doesn't do anything brain surgery wise. He just pulls a gun. He He's talks just
3: vineyards.
0: He's, I, I described it as when I was watching it with Emma like, this feels like somebody read like the Wikipedia article of Lockstock or Snatch, and we're like, <laughs> I know, I'll make my own American version of this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you want really quick edits and mad... Could, could we need to talk about the fucking editing of this film. That's often and, yeah. not something I, I bring up. That's the kind of stuff I don't particularly yeah. uh, talk about, but fuck me.
1: For those who don't know, Vinnie Jones, when I was a little boy, or maybe a long, young toddler, a teenage year,
0: he raised he, me good, he did. He, <laughs> On the cold-ass streets of South <laughs> London.
1: He played, I believe, for Wimbledon. He was a football player who squeezed another man's balls. A um,
0: Famously hard football player.
1: He, uh, Yeah, but the whole I'm um an odd ah man and he went and lock stock and it was like, it's been emotional all that sort of stuff. And fair enough, he he acts in inverted comedy. He's fine. I think he's, he's functional. He's the juggernaut, bitch. bitch. He's that too. <laughs> but he's famous because on the football pitch, he was a bit of a lad, a bit mean. And Gazza, who was on the other team, maybe Tottenham or whoever it was at the time, he went, oh, fucking come here, you. And he squeezed his bollocks and I was like, that's a very unusual thing to do. That's, um, a, that's incredibly and then,
0: homoerotic for the, for the that, beautiful
1: game. Because of that, he earned a reputation of being an oh, odd man. It's like, I don't think that's what you are. <gasps> but film's perpetuated that, so now he is. And he goes, hello, I'm Vinnie Jones, and I've got this accent. He's... Proto Jason if sh- Statham.
2: If he showed up on your set, you and you took you'd take a look at him and go, "Yeah, I think I'm, you're going to cast as a like a thuggish type person." <laughs> yeah, it, it it fits his appearance. He doesn't look like a you know refined gentleman, even though he sort of like his character kind of ha- almost is like James Bond. He, he in exactly of the problem. He's like
0: exactly. it is in this in the yeah. second one. He he is this like. Supposed to be cool and suave, and I can smell the gun oil and I'm being yeah. sexy. Like, what? Don't know what that means. Why are you the surgeon? Why are you? Why are you not called the hooligan or something? Like,
2: yeah, <laughs> Has <an> incredibly unconvincing <laughs> romantic subplot with the the female. Oh prisoner. yeah, <laughs>
1: fucking hell.
2: We'll, we'll, <laughs> get, we'll get back to that
1: shit because I've got okay, so okay. many things. Yeah. so <laughs> story. So
2: just, to, just to finish the story, basically, story. all the assassins show up and try and break into the bar. And Quite easily because it's a bar. <laughs> yeah,
0: half of them just walk in.
2: Yeah, they, um, the FBI are trying to find out. They, they think that all the assassins are connected, and it turns out that they've all done jobs for the US government. They've all oh. worked for us. And Tom, Tom Beringer has actually is actually the one who's hired <gasps> them, don't, don't, and he's don't. brought them there to take them all out <laughs> because he is. And then the film ends. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Did
0: you
3: see so him
1: die?
0: They
3: no, include maybe
1: they include in the middle this thing about how Luco. <laughs> <Hal-Luko. laughs> and it's like Luco, just sort for it's a, the name of the guy Lu- Luca which is like Phelias, yeah, yeah, which is the Latin for bald eagle. And it's like <gasps> oh, nice, you got, you got a you got, true you got, patriot. You got bald eagles on the back of your cards. How cool, yeah. And so there's some amazing shots, which, which thinks it's fucking the usual suspects. And it's like going back and Kaiser so it,
2: but it's not. It's, it's so the it Kaiser it, really yeah. yeah.
1: But it's like just a green screen of him in front of the fucking Washington Monument going, like, what the fuck is this noise? <laughs> yeah. um, and it's the whole, did, did you see the body? Did you see him? Like, he, was sitting, he could have leveled a city block. He was sitting on something at C4. He's like, well, no, if he was he would have leveled a city block. That's how explosives work, you fool. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, the story ends basically with the whole, ah, he got away, rascal. But his plan is bullshit. It's like Dark Knight levels of Joker bullshit. It's like, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to be this meek, timid FBI guy that I am, and I'm going to summon all these people that, as you guys have mentioned, (sighs) the American government, and this this is something I actually felt very uncomfortable about when I was watching it,
2: Oh, I fucking... I I was going through this film thinking this is a bad film and then I got to the end and I was like, oh, fuck this film. (laughs) Fuck it in the ear. (laughs) Yeah. So it it starts
1: with... The the opening five minutes, by the way, will tell you everything you need to know about this film because it's so erratic over the place and it shows you the end of the movie, as it were. Then it shows you about three minutes of text. It's painful. And then the end of the movie says... It felt like fucking Metal Gear Solid. (laughs) That's a disservice to Metal Gear Solid and you know it. I, I agree, <laughs> but it,
0: it felt like that. I know what you mean. It felt like the, the DARPA chiefs, as he's shooting on oh, no, the you're toilet. You're entirely correct. That yeah, thing with yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the US government in 1967, Snake, they did the thing, and for fuck's
1: sake. It's it's what a 13-year-old fanboy writes of, of, of Metal Gear Solid and they can up with this. Um, so, so basically, <laughs> when they're talking about this true patriot thing, it's like, they worked for us, they were our guys. Oh, what do you mean? They, they were uh, attacking our agents? No, no, no. They work for the U.S. government. You're like right, and then it gives four. I think maybe three or four real-world incidents, and that's where you go. Yeah, it cuts to it cuts to real footage. Yes, actual real footage
0: of like Like, Madrid bombings. Do you remember when the U.S. government assassinated this politician? You're like, oh God, oh that's real, oh that's terrible. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: It talks about the the bombing in Madrid. It talks about uh, assassination. It talks about um, when a US Marine or Army Trooper or Ranger or something like that killed some civilians in, in Iraq or Afghanistan.
2: Yep. Yeah. Actual incidents.
1: Yeah. And then it said, oh, no, no, all these things happened. There were these assassins. I was like, what? So, for example... Um, of all the fucking cartoony bullshit movies to tie into real world tragedies. Yeah. So Tommy Flanagan, for example, Laszlo, the guy who, who, he decided on one random hit for the government or something, dresses up as a, and the thing is they show these sort of weird scenes in addition to the real footage of him Mm. in a US military garb shooting down like a woman and kids going, yep, that was me. Army's never done anything wrong. It's like, no, 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 no. And he's there to basically bring them all together so he can kill them. And then he sneaks off and he puts, he does it like, it's so painful. He puts on a hat and it's like almost like the saint music's going to go. Bam, 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 bam. He just drives off and it's like, <laughs> I did a good job. It's like this went from being a pretty poorly made movie to a slap in the face. Now, I will say this much and I'll only say it once. There are two things that I will say about this movie in a positive light. Thing number okay. one. Thing number one. Michael Parks is fantastic and almost always is. He's the guy who plays Fritz Tremor, who's I, the dad. I I agree. Michael Parks is the best performance he in his entire He is brilliant film. because he fits he's a grindhouse-y, great. cartoony kind of world. He he is noticeably from like um he's worked with uh, Rodriguez a lot, Robert Rodriguez and and Quentin Tarantino things. He plays usually the same cop basically, but he's a very grindhouse kind of character. Like, well, Where, yeah, he's, he's sort of a recurring character in that universe, isn't he? He he is, yeah, that exact cop, yeah. yeah. And I think he's great. I think he's really fun. And he has a lot of fun with this movie and he's really stupid. And he, I think it's good.
2: Spo- spoiler alert, he is one of the only two actors that I retain for Yay. my pitch.
1: Yes! yes. Well done. Yes. Nicely, nicely done. I like that. I approve of that. Thing number two, if you told me this movie had nothing to do with Smoking Aces, ignore the Smoking Aces title, if you just told me that somebody had made a film, like a friend of yours or a low-budget independent group or something... Um, had made an independent film about, you know, a very silly cartoony movie about assassins and shit like that, whatever. I would say it's actually quite, it's quite an ambitious project. Because if you just said this was a small independent, nobody made this, and it's just, you know, unfunded, in the dark, scrabbled together my own money, like, you know, fucking Kevin Smith's first movie or something, you're like, that's actually quite good. And you know what? There's a lot of really crazy transitional stuff. You're trying some bold, interesting things. It's quite unique. Fair play to you. But this is not. This is a studio-backed, straight-to-DVD movie, and it looks and feels like trash. So, for example, if I told you guys I'd made a movie and this was it, sorry. (laughs) I'd apologise, first of all. But it'd be like, shit, man, that looks pretty good. Or if, if you say, like, oh, it's like... um. Um that's Stuart Ashen, for example. It's like, oh, this is the new Stuart Ashen movie thing. Like, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a lot of energy to it, a lot of big stuff going on. And the CGI explosions they look all right, except it's not, it's a studio film, which means the CGI looks like shit. And it's like this is not good enough.
2: I mean this is the thing, like I, I appreciate this is this was almost a decade ago and, and things have yeah. improved since then. But like, Matt you do make films. You make a film that is also about a series of uh, assassins. About,
0: <laughs> <in comparison>. Speaking <laughs> and, of low-budget series about assassins...
2: Yeah, and mm. the special effects that you have in your series are better than the special effects in these films. Oh, thank you, Tim. Like, yeah. The explosions in this film look like ass. They, they really look do. like They look like a comedy sketch show where they're taking the piss out of a low-budget blockbuster.
0: Yeah. Um, God, the explosions are the worst. They're just yeah. cut and paste fucking After Effects bullshit. It's
1: like, we found an explosion template. Let's just
0: <laughs> put it on top of Copy the, and paste the shot, quickly. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Do you know what really takes me out of that? Because the moment you think to yourself, that's ah, quite quite low budget, this is probably going to be quite fun. And then you hear Evanescence and you go, oh, you motherfuckers had money. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> How is it this bad? It's Queens of the Stone Age as well. Queens of fucking Stone Age is in there. I know, yeah.
2: and I, I can't tell. I I tried to find this out, and I found conflicting reports. So I don't. I'm not sure if this was shot on film or shot on digital. Mm. But either way, it looks, looks like shank. it was shot. It looks like it was shot with a toilet roll tube. <laughs> like
0: I made the. I, I said at the time. <sighs> Emma was like, "God, this looks crap," and I'm like, "Yeah,
1: looks like it was shot in an iPhone five. It looks fucking rubbish." The musical cues are quite strange, especially when it takes you out of the situation so much because they're so recognisable. I mean, I'm like, like that's some early 2000s shit. I know that crap. I, I, I literally had a moment where
0: I was like, is this Evanescence? And Emma didn't believe me. And I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. seriously.
1: And I, I passed the headphones
0: over to her. I was like, no, seriously, <laughs> this is Evanescence. Yeah. And then I was like, "It's this
1: sounds like a really shit cover of an Evanescence song or something like well, that. Well, I think that's partly because they edit the song weird. They cut yeah, the beat they in do. where like, they wanted to make it work for, to show that this character's martyring herself because she's fucking stupid and not because she did anything noble. They, they much of the same with the first one, they just gather these characters together and kill them all off when things happen. But actually, let's take a second to talk about, talk about the women of this movie. There's two of them. Um, <laughs> There's Caitlyn Tremor, AK 47, and she is the Tremor sister. Uh it's interesting, in the in the in the in the first Smokin' aces, you don't really know about the other family. Obviously they're all dead, nobody cares, and they all seem to hate each other. Mm. But yeah. Caitlyn Tremor is Well, hell, sugar, mm. which is the same as the other Tremors. In so fact, actually she's, on brand. She's
0: uh baby from Devil's Rejects.
1: Oh, no, Devil's Rejects is good. But I know no, you I like mean, Devil's No, I mean, yeah, that, I mean no, that in a bad you're way. Right. She's just yeah. copy-paste fucking. No, I, I think that's completely <laughs> yeah. fair. That's, yeah. that's that's I like that's Devil's rejects, rejects a lot. Yeah.
0: But,
2: yeah. Ca- character introduced having sex with someone in order to get information out of them.
1: Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. And it fucking, I'm horny as hell for my sister character, Lester Tremor from the fucking first film, who does actually just straight up grope her in her sleep and stuff. And it's like, oh, yep. And she, actually, a fairly competent character. She does what she's supposed to do. Then she just bursts through the wall and gets shot in the like, Oh, oh! There's yeah. so many moments where people have like a drop on people. Like if you're at, one of the things in like the first film, these people are quite competent. They just all bottlenecking into this one situation. And that I mean, this thing actually weird enough. I cover in super happy kill time. If you have people who don't work together and don't have a plan, and they all come together as these individual unique forces, you end up just falling over each other too much. That's just how it unfortunately tends to be. Hmm. And that sort of comes across in this, except the fact that so many moments where a character has another one dead to rights, like when Vinnie Jones has the one of the tremors in his sights in the bar, and he's like, all right, and he throws a flashbang. and like, what are you doing? Just shoot him. <laughs> then he throws a flashbang. And he shoots three bullets into his chest. Obviously, he's wearing a vest, and he's like, oh no, my gun's out of bullets. I better just punch him. What the fuck is this? And then he puts, a, like, a a, 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 a detonating device on him and then steps backwards and gets just filled with bullets, just peppered. And yep. it's like, you're shit. Yep. So back to the two women. Because the reason that Vinnie Jones does this, by the way, is because he was moved by the death <laughs> of a woman. Um, and the other woman is the femme fatale character, uh, Ariella, I want to say. Uh, and she is the sexy poison lady who does the fucking poison ivy that's the original bat idea, lips. right? Yep. Um, and that's, again, that's arguably fine. She's a character who's had a shitty childhood, killed her own parents, poisons people. Fine. Nothing untoward with that. Played by work. Martha Hegerada, who you may know from Altered Carbon fairly recently. Yes. That's all she she was, isn't Fuck. Yeah. She was much better than that. She's good. Yeah. Anyway, so uh she poisons people and the only people she gets poisoned is a priest at the start to establish who her character is. And in that moment, by the way, I mean she poisons that priest and someone talks to her and they she puts a knife to their throat the whole film's twist is gone because I can see who the actor is, and it's like, oh, <laughs> that's ruined in minute four.
2: <laughs> that sequence also has her start out dressed as a nun and then <laughs> yes! down to her underwear. So like, yeah, really and
0: then like, to... fancy
1: lingerie type stuff. Yeah, uh, hij- hijab niqab kind of got up, and it's like, oh, oh no, I get it, but also, ah, oh, fuck, this is bad. Anyway, so she then goes close to this bar and this this douchebag called troy because of course he's called troy is just frankly just a rapist um, oh yeah yeah just a rapist bra uh college frat boy kind of thing and um he then assumes because of the way she's dressed literally and when she walks around that she's clearly a prostitute throws money at her and then she she kills him and she's like ah you know that saves a, a lifetime of uh terrible encounters from other women so like, sure fine and then she gets to the bar. And then literally gets shot. <laughs> yeah, she does absolutely nothing.
2: She's just sort of sitting around waiting to poison someone, I guess.
1: By kissing them only. In a yeah. one-fill ampoule of, of poison. Yeah. That she peels off multiple times. And apparently she does have a gun as well, because... Oh,
0: yes. Sorry, the, the oil. sniffs the oil. <laughs> I don't but use oil in my skin. She never fucking uses it. She just dies. No. In the first eight seconds of and being go, in that place. It's like,
1: oh, you die. Oh, no, that's terrible. We're going to have a bad night, aren't we? And then I she says... I feel cold. I'm, I
0: don't think you're supposed to feel cold.
1: Yeah, I and then he goes in to kiss her. Bad. And she's like, no, wait. And to be fair to Vinnie Jones, she says, no, wait. No. And he stops. <laughs> And she takes off the poison lips and he goes, oh, Hooligan go on then. A known gentleman, Finney Jones. <laughs> yeah, but then he kisses her and the shot hangs on it for so fucking long. Oh, like oh minutes, my, it feels what like.
2: What is this?
1: Um, anyway, then he goes outside Just and gets a killed really as well.
2: really awkward, awkward kiss. It is terrible. Um, we, talked, we talked mostly about the assassins so far. Oh,
1: yeah, this, sorry, yeah.
2: When in fact, they don't actually take up the bulk of the screen <laughs> no. time. No most of it is spent on the fucking FBI agents in this compound, oh. most of whom are entirely interchangeable tall white dudes. White dudes yeah. Apart from one, who's like the main character, who we, like Jack and I both thought I this quite independently, this. <laughs> looks like Stuart Ashen's the sequelizer. He is. Him and Emil oh Hirsch crossed over. It's, it's creepy. Him, it's, he is, it's, it's him and Emil Hirsch, Smushed into a, a grundle fly, um, <laughs> and it's, God, it's, I
0: couldn't stop being like, "God, Clang Crawford looks like Ashens. Why does he look so much like Ashens? He's in the grey suit this and everything. Is so weird. It's the grey suit. It's the hair. He's got the perfect little yeah, Ashens beard." Oh my god I-, I looked up Clayne Crawford because I've literally never seen that motherfucker in anything else like him, <laughs> for good reason because he's terrible and I was like he's- he seems to be fairly infamous for having terrible fucking facial hair just every photo of him was with a- an equally terrible moustache a fucking handlebar moustache or one of those like thin pencil pedo moustaches and then he shows up looking like fucking Ashens
3: it's <laughs> so weird
2: if I remember correctly and I might I might be getting this guy right? i i shall double check but i'm pretty sure that he is the guy playing riggs in, in the, the lethal weapon tv series he is yes i
0: looked him up yes yeah
2: and was like notoriously an asshole, and is kind of the reason that show ended if memory serves I mean, yeah. because he was Play Such Mel Gibson, go Merson.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can't play a young Mel Gibson without being a cunt. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, and this film spends so long with him and mm-hmm. he has zero charisma. The, quite the opposite of mm. uh, Stuart Asher's. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's
0: true. Good save,
2: Stuart
1: uh, can yeah. act well. Um, but this guy is a vacuum. He really does, as you yeah. said. He he,
2: and he's so bland. I don't get how he's the main character. And he's so bland. There's nothing about him. You might as well point the camera at a bowl of oatmeal. You know. It is I you know, Vinny Jones' character in this is stupid mm. and they can't seem to decide exactly what kind of character he they want him to be. Yeah. But he at least has some personality and Vinnie Jones himself has a bit of charisma about him. Yeah, he they, can act they, as a sort of they neglect. He can to be follow. Vinnie Jones. Yeah. Like, I, I would imagine that if you asked people who enjoyed Smoking Aces 1, like, what did you enjoy about that? No one says, I liked the FBI stuff. They say, they're oh, going to yeah. say, Agent Baker I liked
0: no one ever. Yeah, it's this weird thing of like, who thought he would be the main character? And he like, as you said, Matt, like, yeah, the, oh, the, the bad guy got away with it. And then Baker just fucking shoots him in a car at the end. You're like, hmm. really? This is what we're going yeah. for. Where I guess he's the hero because he did what no one else could do and stopped. He did him. what
2: Ryan Reynolds did at the end of the other one. Exactly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stop the
0: bald eagle from escaping on whatever It's like, how did he know he was there? Like, why is he who who gives a fuck about Baker? And granted, his fucking agent mates are a bunch of fucking morons. They're all, <laughs> They're all idiots really and just They're die terrible. stupidly. Yeah. The guy like uh like when Sir knocks on the other agent's uh, oh, yeah, yeah. like closet door thing. It's like, hey, Agent Damare, Damare, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, who was asking? And then steals his, steals his face and does the whole yep. Mission Impossible thing. A Game of Thrones thing, I guess. Which is so stupid.
1: Them. I like what he does in the first film. So it only turns up like two or three times. So they show a flashback of him being this um, black guy in a wheelchair in the first bit and he just, you know, again because it's a different actor obviously he doesn't go blackface
3: mm. um yeah considering tommy off.
1: flanagan's in both of these films he's yes. barely in either of them yeah exactly and then he plays actually he has a character that he's trying to be and he's gargling and it's quite interesting almost like a, a, theater methods, as it were of impersonating character he's got a recording of this guy's voice saying so say this phrase specifically he's like ah oh, fucking whatever all right it. Uh, say that and he shoots him in the head and he's like then he's trying to make the voice sound like it. My name is this, because it will, you know, the, the key word trigger of getting into that character's voice. And that's that's quite interesting. And he's, he's like mm. gargling vodka and shit because it will horse him up a little bit more. My name is this, and he's trying. And then eventually he inadvertently kills Joel Edgerton's character to maintain his cover. And that's why he's quite silent and standoffish and and not very talkative because he hasn't got the character right yet. He's, it's, mm. it's an emergency. Whereas Soot's version of Dumaire or Demario, whatever fuck his name is, is just shit. He has a great mask, obviously, and then he's he doesn't just like, say a
0: fucking word. He just sits there like a robot. Like, yeah, yeah
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. And it's like, hey, report in. Is it you? Are you okay? What's going on? Is it what's what's going on? And he like long pause. he'll go, it's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is shit. But uh, no, you're right. When they, then they're trying to keep him out, and then they just let him in. It's just, it's all kinds of fucking dumb. And the characters are just remarkably cliche and rote and and very straightforward. It's like, you know... I'm going to write a, a, a war movie and I want to have a squad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the squad has to have a rookie guy who's never been in the war before. One really old veteran is a cantankerous bastard. Uh, one sarky guy from Brooklyn who knows everything. He's a bit of a smart wise guy, but you know what? He's all right. That kind of shit. And you just transpose that to the FBI guys and they're all fucking annoying. And also, Smoking Aces, I don't remember being having huge undercurrents of quietly offensive shit.
2: It was... Yeah, there's there's a lot of transphobia in this. There really is. This there's is, a bunch
1: uh, of transphobia.
0: The women are treated terribly. There's fatphobia because the big fat guy has to be
1: like, have learning difficulties, basically, like... Yeah. God. It, it's all kinds of weird shit and it's, it's not like the cartoony weird shit in the first one. It's like just hateful shit.
0: Yeah, and they built that all up and, I, and there's that moment, as you mentioned, like the transphobic bit, of like, hey, don't you to know she's a transvestite and then he goes, Christ, mm. I'm like, is this is this 1982? Like, what are you yeah. doing? And um, again, as I'm watching this, Emma is sat next to me, and she's like when is this set? And I'm like, I have, I have no fucking idea because they don't give any indication of it. And then the the woman in like the, the FBI call centre or whatever goes like, oh, it's blah, blah, blah,
1: post 9-11. I'm like,
0: it's the early 2000s.
1: What the yeah. fuck is going on? It, it's tricky as well because it's supposed to take place before Smoking Aces 1... So all the ator- atrocities that they reference the real world ones like the Madrid mm. bombing was twenty two thousand The Madrid bombing, by the way, was done by the Tremor Brothers. Just so you know.
2: Fucking whatever. Fuck this film. It, they might as they might like that bit at the end of the film is like if you had a wacky races film and it ended with Dick Dastardly flying into the two towers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Catch the
2: pigeon.
1: Catch the pigeon. <laughs> That's actually very
2: on point. It's like, like, yeah. like, tonally, it is about that. Yeah,
1: because they do... They, they <laughs> I'm hijack not saying a circus. I need that in my life, but I might need that in my life. <laughs> they hijack a circus and literally put... I want to say some of the uh, the clowns are dwarfs, but anyway, the point is they put these clowns into yeah, this are. cannon yeah. and they launch them into the bar full of C4 and blow them up. Su- be-
0: suicide bombing clowns, because that's cool and edgy, right, guys? Yeah, it's and it's fucking- really cartoony and silly. Oh, and the way shot is bullshit. It looks cartoon- like it's out fucking... Twisted metal or something. If, if,
2: uh, yeah, it it feels like a film that was written by like a fourteen year old juggalo. <coughs> <laughs> it was like trying to impress his internet friends with how like mean and edgy he was. Yeah,
1: it is. It is edge lord central shit. It's it's uh it's Ready Player One. Um, <laughs> um but actually, yeah, Ready Player One not that bad. But it's um it's an incredibly frustrating movie because unlike the first film. Which again, I can't, I'm not, I cannot stress enough. The first film isn't great. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's like the first Transformers film. I was like, yeah, that's all right. It's fine. And this one is painful on, mm. on, on so many levels, on so many occasions. And I think there are a few ways you could have tweaked it to make it a little bit better. Um, the, even that the wacky, I mean, it, it's I kind of, the, I don't know if you can watch a clip of it or not online, but um, the, the opening few minutes, which have so many different types of things going on because it's trying to give you this very. I don't, know, I don't know what kind of it. it's it's very hyper hyper realistic sort of feel and hyper violent feel and really saturated colours and it's all over the place and blah blah blah. Um and I, I get that. It's trying to be it's trying to do a thing, it's trying to create an aesthetic. And some of the the camera movements, the camera and stuff, it's all very cartoony and creative. And if it was just that, it would have been fine. But you cut back and forth, as as Tim's already said, between again, we're going to launch clowns full of explosives into a bar for a very very crappy looking visual effect to a bowl of porridge man in a gray suit talking about genuine real world horrors and 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 terrible events and you're like yeah no (laughs) no and again just to do a bit of a parallel very briefly here So as we mentioned maybe a couple of times before, I am a filmmaker and I've made my own things and I've won awards and such and so on. And And I'm not saying that makes me right or wrong, but it means I have an opinion and a stake in certain things. I have a web series which has been running for a few years now and will continue to run. And it is about a group of assassins. Now, the difference is Super Happy Kill Time is a pastiche and homage of anime tropes. I try to drill down what it's like to be anime and not like the, you know, the sort of, oh, everything is anime, it's this. And it's like, no, no, no. This is from a fan of anime who's telling you this stuff like, amnesia, motherfucker, it's going to be a big thing at some point, because it's always is, you know, various bits and pieces that turn up, as well as the obvious things you may not be, uh, may be familiar with. But by making things about assassins who don't get along and that sort of stuff, it has the room for wacky, crazy cartoon hijinks. But I should point this out, as much as I do serious stuff with the plot to make it more interesting and engaging, it's a fucking live-action cartoon has literal cartoon effects. The explosions are are, are literally drawings, as it were. It's, it's a Tom and Jerry universe, for lack of a phrasing. And I know that, and the actors know that, and the audience know that, and you go into it. So when something serious happens, you're like, oh shit. And something funny happens and it's funny. Now, inadvertently, without me trying, in a future season, spoilers, I guess, we have a thing with a very, very hor- horrible, authoritative, brutal police force and the streets being just curfewed and emptied. Now, this was written and filmed before things like... I mean, obviously, police violence has always been a thing, but Black Lives Matter movement, and obviously... (laughs) coronavirus, the LA
3: riots. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But at the same time, you know, I'm talking about tropes in anime that appear, and also things I want to talk about, obviously, in general, because I'm a a filmmaker, what I do. The difference is I don't set my cartoon universe in our universe and then say, and then the coronavirus happened, and then Black Lives Matter happened. It's like, no... Now I'm doing my own thing. Whereas this movie does cartoon bullshit, which is on the surface technically fine. You can yeah. have this wacky nonsense and then tries to make it serious, which is a bad move, and then tries to make it real, which is a really fucking... Which, which is exactly
0: movie. what we talked about with the tonal disparity of the yeah. first one. Yeah. Like you get the serious FBI stuff and then the wacky assassin stuff. And then this dials both up to 11. So the two tonal... The halves of it just go and separate, and it's like, yeah, okay, so you've gone extra wacky and deadly fucking serious with the other half. So none of this makes sense. None of this gels well together, and they come smashing together at the end as if it makes any fucking sense. Yeah, and it's just just crap, just rubbish. And you're supposed mm. to believe that Baker is a fucking competent and interesting protagonist, and then he makes Ryan Reynolds' character look like fucking Superman in comparison.
2: <laughs> And just to talk about inconsistency, because we touched on it earlier, the editing in this film, oh my especially God. at the start. Mm. The first note I made was, I want to kill this editor because <laughs> it's I agree with you. so frenetic.
0: I had to look away a couple of times because it literally yeah. hurt my eyes. I had to tear my glasses <laughs> yeah. off and I was like, fucking hell, I have to rub my eyes a bit because the, the strobe lighting, the fucking action scenes, it's like, Taken two, where it's fifteen cuts every eight <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I, unbearable fucking editing.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, and even stuff like like the main kind of action set piece that they have when the uh, the tremors are storming the bar. Like you would think that you've got okay, right? You've got this as an actual set, clearly. Uh, and in fact, there's like a DVD extra where they talk so much about like, oh yeah, we have this, this, this bunker built and, you know, we've got this great physical, you know, and we really establish the geography of it. And then the editing absolutely obliterates all of that. You have no idea where anything is yep. in relation to anything else. Um, and so the action scenes just become completely incomprehensible. And it's like, you know, you get, Vinnie Jones diving behind cover and it's like, well hang on, where was he? Where did he and where did he go? Where is he now? In like, is he safe now?
1: There are characters I thought that were dead that then turned up two minutes later I thought, wait, didn't you just die behind a fuck Oh, because <laughs> it's not that part of the room. Oh Jesus Christ! It's so hard to keep up with this shit. It's it's just incompetent filmmaking, unfortunately. Mm. So the director, PJ Pesci or Pesky, I'm not entirely sure. He's actually not incompetent, which is more frustrating. Um because I only know a handful of things he's done and mostly T V stuff. And he did uh, another straight to DVD one around the same time. Uh, oh, Lost Boys the Tribe, which again not great, but and it probably on our, it's on, it's on our list by the way of things to fix. Um but it's it's not awful. It's just it's just a bit flat. It's not this kind of level of bullshit. Um but he made um From Dust Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter, which is a prequel to From Dust Till Dawn. Which was on the list of potentials for this fucking season. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the problem, again, having seen those three films, it's not very good, but it's, it's, it's functionally, competently directed, which makes it ten times worse, because that means he's actively gone out of his way to create a Joe Carnahan-style, really erratic thing that Smoke and Aces is, and he's come up with this, and it shows the whole, like, oh, shit. In the same way we talked about this in, in, in the 300 episode, Rise of an Empire. Sometimes it's more dangerous, for lack of a better word, for people to say, Oh, well, that character, that, that director's a bit wacky. Should we get someone else in who can do a bit of a good job impersonating it? And it's like, Well, good luck, because you're probably going to come up short. What's worse than the real out. thing? It's a bad impersonator. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's yep, exactly, exactly it. Um,
0: it's like I said, the first one isn't that good. And I don't think this had any chance of being any good as soon as it was straight to DVD, because you just strip away. Any potential for the cast to be any good because I can't afford any of the fucking actors, and they're just like, "Hey, let's let get that guy who sort of looks like Ashens and Emil Hirsch just mushed together." <laughs> in a... I would love it. That's the actual casting. A guy I see, who kind of looks
1: like Ashens and Emil Hirsch. Yeah, we can't get Emil Hirsch,
0: and I really like this. There's this British YouTube guy, right? So he's got this very distinctive like beard. Combo. It's kind of kind of like Simon Pegg, but not Simon Pegg. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bring me those people. Oh, they're all busy <laughs> bring me a man sure <laughs> bring, um, bring me a white man who can can have terrible facial hair mm. there if he needs to
2: so having established that there's no way that a smoking aces sequel could possibly be good we're going to try and fix it uh but before we get into that are, are you interested in becoming a distinctive assassin <laughs> dear listener Do you want a cool code name like the Plague or the Surgeon? How, Maybe maybe you're gonna, maybe you're gonna like uh, carve your initials into your victims and then sew them up, and we (laughs) we can call you the Stitcher. But you can't have that; that's taken. That is an app for listening to podcasts. That's right, Stitcher. And if you were a particularly good assassin who had that as your calling card, you'd be Stitcher Premium, (laughs) who are our sponsor. Because they take everything about Stitcher, which is already a great standalone app for listening to your favourite podcasts on. None (laughs) of this fussing around with music players. It's a dedicated app. But with Stitcher Premium, you also get ad-free access to all of your favourite shows. You get access to bonus episodes from shows that you follow, (laughs) comedy albums, and more. You can get all of that for $4.99 a month. Or sign up for a year for thirty-four ninety-nine, all by going to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up. And if you use the promo code sequelizers when you're there, you will get a month free on top of all those other benefits. <laughs> so don't become an assassin, because it, you would be infringing the trademark of our good friends at Stitcher. Instead, channel that energy into listening to lots of podcasts.
3: <laughs> Best agreed ever.
1: Yep. We all have one every uh, season. Oh no no, Zulu was this season as well.
2: Um, so, Rotten Tomatoes guys. Oh uh, we've shit! We've established yeah. that. Uh, Smoking Aces is a confused, a complicated, and uh, ranging depending on depending on who you ask. Out of the sequelizers, it's fine or it's bad. Mm-hmm. And then Smoking Aces Two is an absolute shit show. That's a piece of shit. Where do you guys think the critical consensus of Rotten Tomatoes has so, placed?
0: I, I, I've obviously not seen any spoilers for this. I did go and watch a couple of reviews of Smoking Aces and tried to see some of Smokin' Aces too, and I found Smoking Aces was the choice of the most underrated film of blah, 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 blah for a lot of like shitty YouTubers. What and and that you mean Edge Lords? Yes, exactly. The bro duo film reviewers on YouTube who are like, hey, man, I fucking love all that action shit. And you're like, yeah, man, the
1: most underrated film of 2013. Yeah, it was, was the 2. Was one of them Chris Pine and the other one Ben Affleck's face animated by Chris Pine's hand? Yes. yes. I would subscribe to that channel. It was like most underrated
0: movies of the 2010s or something like that. And I was like, fuck off. So my worry is Smoking Aces is higher than I think it is, but they kept saying underrated films. So I'm hoping it's it's fairly low. So I'm going to go, I reckon it's in the 60s. I will go 63% for the first Smoking Aces, please.
2: Matthew?
0: Well, I'm very much on
1: the same line as Jack there, I think. I think some people like it. I don't think it's good.
3: Yeah, so.
1: I, I don't think this did well at all. And I think this is one of those moments where we get the classic sort of like,
2: "Hey, sequelizers, don't you only do really, really good films that had sequels that were bad?"
1: No, I had that no. conversation with them. I'm not gonna lie. We we do <laughs> as 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 our new tagline: "Bad sequels sorted." It's just the bad sequel bit that's the important bit. Yeah, the, film is the mediocre, bit. good or otherwise. Yes, we talk about when the Ross in the past and things like that, but ultimately this opens up to broader spectrum. But I think we're um I think Jack's right. I think I would have gone for sixty. So I'm gonna say fifty five, please. Ooh, okay. I think so like, you remember like the mummy was so disgustingly low and like yeah. what the fuck is this? And we were outraged in yeah. series five. Yeah. So fifty five, please.
2: Okay. And how about smoking aces, colon, assassin's ball? Colon's appropriate, yeah.
0: Low as fuck. Yeah, um, but who who could possibly enjoy this movie? It's got to be. I reckon it's in the teens. I'm gonna go seventeen percent, please. One seven, not, okay. not 70. <laughs> <laughs> One seven percent, please.
1: I'm gonna do some logical bullshit now. Oh, it's a. I want to say. I want to say ten. I think it's oh. a ten. However. Mm. I don't think a lot of people will have reviewed this straight-to-DVD piece of shit. I agree, but you can't I think, you can't like it, though, right? So. But No, but I mean, in order to get a 10, you'd have to get, for example, a 10%, sorry. You'd, it, cause has it has to have been ten reviews. 10 reviews. 10 reviews, and one sure. of them's good. So I don't think there's many. So I think it's going to be actually a little bit higher. So I'm going to play it safe and say 20. So if there's like five reviews and one of them is okay, that's 20%. Yeah. I <laughs> see what you mean. I see what yeah. That that is some smart fucking rotten tomatoes in there. But friend. I don't know if I trust that because that means technically there's a possibility, that smoking ace could be like really, really low, and then for some reason smoking ace two is like 80%. I'm like, what the fuck?
0: Because <laughs> like two people reviewed it and they were yeah, were like exactly. bro. Bro, bro, bro. This is actually what we needed,
1: bro. It talks about the it talks about the fucking rack, bro. It's got hot hot babes and yeah.
2: cool action,
1: bro. If she was my sister, I'd fucker.
2: Cool. Well, we have talked about how Rotten Tomatoes. We lo- we like to do the scores on it because it's it's, um, a, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. But it is it is a deeply flawed system. <laughs> the metric
0: makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's why we do it, because we love it. <laughs> and
2: nowhere is that better displayed than in the case of these two films. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit.
3: Because
2: no. Smoking Aces... Uh, so, Jack, you guessed 63. I did, yeah. indeed. Matt, you guessed 55. Yes. Matt, you are closer... Thirty percent
3: on
1: Fuck roll. Oh shit! Okay, okay. First of all, this is not a th- that's not a thirty percent film. I don't think really. That's fair. Um, I mean, but the way the Rotten Tomatoes works, I can understand how that would get there. Because most people would have said it's not that great, two out of five, that kind of thing. Shit.
2: Although, interestingly, the audience score was 62%. So, Jack, Ooh. you were one off the audience. That's Ooh.
1: what I would have figured the, the critics scores yeah. to be more like. But interesting?
2: Okay. Maybe they're just angry because...
1: Yeah. Reasons. I don't like where this is going, Tim.
0: Yeah. So, Beware Smoking
2: me, Aces, the first one, yeah. had 158 reviews. Uh-huh. Smoking Aces Assassin's Ball... Had nine reviews. Oh fucking <laughs> we hell! Know. Well done, Matt. Well and done. Oh no! Oh
1: no! This
0: is the gonna...
2: score oh, on no. Rotten Tomatoes oh, no. is forty four percent. It's a Shrek two. Because like two or three of them liked it. Yeah. Oh and my Al. god! So
1: we are <sighs> technically telling the world that this Smoking, film, Smoking
2: Aces two, is fifty percent better than Smoking <laughs> Aces according to Rotten Tomatoes.
3: Oh Lucky god!
1: Okay. Okay. What? We're still right, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 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 Fucking hell. Yeah.
2: Although, again, wisdom of crowds here, audience score, 22%. That's more like it. That
0: feels more appropriate. 16 or 20 drop, can can we we do that next time?
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, that's much more logical. That's much more logical. Yes. Um, We've
0: We've had some weird disparity with audience scores and critic yeah. scores this season it's just been absolute madness where it's like one is 90 percent and the critics mm. are like 15 percent i yeah, think we can assume
1: that if if you would if you to say to somebody would you review this new york post or something they would say fuck off and it would get a zero percent immediately or whatever it would be and that would push the thing down to a more appropriate yeah. score
2: I, I don't think i recognized any of the names of the <clears> like nah. websites that were reviewed it was all stuff like Cinema Express, where Express has no E at yeah. the front kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> BMoviefans.com. Yeah. 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 Straight to DVD fun. <laughs> So, so yes. this is a
1: first for us, then, other than Shrek 2. So, yeah, the film is 14% <laughs> higher, and we're I'm saying it's this bad. It's slightly less controversial than Shrek 2. Hey, However, we didn't think Shrek 2 would be controversial. We thought this, Ghostbusters 2 would, so we were this,
0: wrong. This features actual neo Nazis, so maybe I'll have to yeah. fight with neo Nazis <laughs> about we're giving the positive races, reviews as well as I did about Shrek 2. So, there Can't you go. Spell
1: DBD without UJ.
3: SS. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking
2: hell. Right, so as as we mentioned earlier, it was my job to fix this Oh yeah, we're supposed to be fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have uh I've changed a considerable amount. Okay. Thank God. But I decided when you look at the, the reality of Smoking Aces and kind of how well it did, because it did alright at the box office, but it sure. didn't like blow any doors off. I've decided to keep it as a director DVD sequel.
1: Interesting. But also makes complete sense because you'd lose a lot of money. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Because I, I basically, so I basically went in with that in mind, mm. and as I mentioned earlier, I took weird inspiration from the kind of yeah, like the the Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve those kind of films, the sure. the, the, the the proper ensemble films. Yeah. So I have essentially assembled a cast that is the director DVD version of one of those.
1: Brilliant! I am I'm, like I'm, I'm the so Expendables intrigued. mindset of direct-to-DVD. This is going to be brilliant. In the same <laughs> way that... Just to hijack this for a second, Tim. In Series 5, when I did Crow City of Angels, in my Crow sequel, I was like, who are you getting as a supporting cast, Matt? All these grindhouse motherfuckers I think are appropriate yeah. for it, because of course they would be. That makes sense. I'm really looking forward to this now, because I can only assume, when you say straight-to-DVD sort of style, I'm going to recognise every single one of them and go, Yes!
2: <laughs> yeah. So what I think because also because of the, the kind of fractured narrative mm. uh of, of these films, what I will suggest we do is I I'll go through director and returning cast and stuff like that with you. But I think for the new cast, um if we kind of read them out as we get to their characters cool. Okay. within uh the plot of the film, I think that will be easier to help people get sure. trapped because it's a it's a very sprawling cast yeah. and oh wow. Just listing the them time. off at the start. God, uh, people will lose track. Very. I've just quickly.
1: Been scrolling for five minutes, and then, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I've only just seen this for the first time. That is, that is a, a that, that is a third of sh- your
2: pitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. I mean, I get it's, it. That's good.
2: So, okay, so we're going to start here, and also this uh, further preamble. I've done something a little interesting here. I had a little fun.
1: Oh, okay.
2: So there's a kind of an Easter egg within this pitch, Oh which you may spot. I have a feeling Matt will spot it pretty quickly okay. because he's, he's, he's wired he's into these kind of things. But I, I will say, if, if you spot it, if you realise what I am doing, hang on until the end when we're discussing it because I'd like to give the listeners uh, no, a no, chance. No, no, no.
1: I'll just do this. <laughs> that was a visual cue, ladies and gentlemen. That was so you a, definitely that was a know.
2: cryptic look. It was. Of, it was like an amu- <clears throat> amusement. So anyway, enough preamble. I have uh, renamed the film because Assassin's Ball...
1: Fucking stupid it Doesn't right.
2: mean anything. Nope. There's no and there's no ball. There's no ball. Uh, so this film is called Smoking Aces Greatest Hits. <laughs>
0: okay. It's just like a rockumentary thing where the band's second album is called Greatest Hits, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and it comes out in the year 2011, one year after it was originally released. I have pushed it back to get the directors that I was after. Okay. Who, to be honest, they are probably the biggest... Stretch in terms of getting people on board for this film. okay. Because I've gone for Neville Dean and Taylor.
1: Tim, interesting. Because I've mentioned this on a previous episode. I think it was the Wolverine episode.
2: I actually
1: don't mind. I mean, like, two out of five, three out of five don't mind. Mm. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Mm-hmm. I think Ghost Rider 1 was quite flat meh. Uh, the Daredevil director dude, I can't remember his name, mm-hmm. Did is like, eh, it's fine, I get it. But... Mm. The wacky, zany, over-the-top. I'm going to film this on rollerblades and hang on the back of a car. shit Is so interesting and so kinetic that it made the film quite interesting. And they did Crank, obviously, in the same sort of way. Yeah. That's actually a good pick for this, I think, because they have that sort of madcap energy. Yeah.
2: So this mm. would this would be getting them uh, before Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance and yeah. after they had done Gamer, which yeah. was their follow-up, having done Crank and Crank. Oh, two. yeah. So, obviously, having them on something that's directed DVD is a little bit... they are. That is them on their kind of ascendancy. They've Mm. kind of faded away a little bit now, but, um, Mm. you know, so it would be a little bit of a get, but...
1: If anything, strange enough, their involvement might put it into the cinema accidentally, but at the same time, which might be a good thing, but at the same (laughs) time, as any actor who's up and coming or any director is, you'll notice if you follow their career... They will flip back and forth between doing really big budget, high budget presents, oh, you're a star now, and doing indie shit, not only because they want to, but because they feel they have to, because they're obliged contracts and things. So I think I think you're perfectly fine with that pick, Tim. I really mm. like it.
2: And and if we have Joe Carnahan's kind of acting as, you know, his name was all over Smoking Aces 2, mm, uh, even yeah. though he was only executive producer, they very much kind of tried to make it seem like he was the director. Give it a lot of so, weight, yeah.
0: Presented him, by and all that bullshit is it, yeah, all yeah, the yeah, way across the front yeah. of the DVD. Yeah.
2: So if we lessen his perhaps hand hands-on involvement with it, but have him acting as a kind of mentor to those two, and that may be something that actually encourages them to do it if the idea of like, oh okay, this guy who's been mm. around a bit more is gonna kind of give us give us a lot of leeway, but also, you know, shepherd us through this thing. Yeah,
1: that's a solid mindset. I like that. I like that a lot.
2: So returning cast. We've got Kevin Durand as Jeeves Tremor and Maury, Maury Sterling as Lester Tremor. Mm-hmm. Bringing back two of the Tremor brothers. I'm not trying to get Chris Pine back. <laughs> that's um, He's in yeah, Star Trek. You fools. can't get him. But, I, but I, think, uh... I think we can stretch to a Kevin Durand. Yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah, you can get the blob. It'll be fine. You now, call me Tremor. Blah, blah.
2: As, as with Assassin's Ball, we have Tommy Flanagan coming back as Laszlo Soot. Fine. Um, and I'm also bringing back Martin Henderson, who plays Hollis Elmore mm. uh, in Smoking Aces. He is the surviving member of Ben Affleck's crew oh. um, who, like, loses a hand and has to deal with a child getting an erection. <laughs> he does,
1: uh, with nunchucks.
2: Yes. Um, so, we're obviously, this is a prequel. He hasn't lost his fingers yet or whatever. He's kind of a washed-up cop in this.
1: Sure, that's good. That's a good story um, point, aren't they?
2: Retained cast... We have Michael Parks as Fritz Fritz Tremmer. Yes, yes. Basically, the best exactly thing about him. Yep. Cool. Yep. Yep. We have also Vinnie Jones as Finbar McTeague, mm, but not, I am reimagining that character to better suit. Uh, he's he's just he's a more consistent character. Right. In that case, Tim. he's yes. he's, he's he's more <laughs> Vinnie
1: Jones. Yeah, he squeezes a man's yeah. bollocks.
2: <laughs> he's not he's not playing like completely mindless thug but um uh i'm kind of getting him to channel i don't know if either of you guys have watched uh elementary the yes. um
1: the johnny House, lee yeah. miller
2: uh sherlock holmes tv mm. show he shows up in the first season of that playing um not moriarty <laughs> mild spoilers um but, fuck. Uh, <laughs> i can't remember the name of the character now but he's basically uh the the Moriarty equivalent of Watson in the uh, in the novels. He's like a, another like retired soldier kind of figure in in the books. Mm. Um, Sebastian is the Sebastian Moran. Yeah. There we go. Ah, um, okay. And so uh, and and in the in the TV show, he's kind of reimagined as this sadistic hitman, mm. and that's he's basically all, all
0: levered up fucking assassin.
2: Yeah, and that's basically who Finney Jones is playing here as well. That works for me. That's good. ex, ex Special Forces kind of all-business hitman.
1: Sure.
2: So, yeah, we're going to skip over the new cast. We're going to come to them as they appear in the film. Afterwards, we can kind of go through what you guys yeah, think yeah. of them, or, we, or you can react in time. With, sure. Um, and as I said, this is kind of a uh, an ensemble piece with a quite a f- fractured narrative that kind of crisscrosses. So rather than go through the film chronologically, we're going to follow storyline by storyline um, and go through it that way. And then you'll see the points of intersection. Um, and it does kind of build towards the conclusion as we we get towards the end but I'm sure our fine attentive audience will be able to follow (laughs) Uh, so I will start the story begins two weeks before the 4th of July and plays out across a number of days counting down towards it followed by an epilogue that takes place a month later the film begins with a voiceover from special agent David Burke played by Judd Nelson
1: yeah (laughs)
2: Commenting that whenever he starts getting too optimistic about the state of the world, he encounters a new example of bloodshed or depravity. Under the surface of most lives, he claims, there is a hidden level of greed, violence, and misfortune.
0: Takuya and Toma. With the help of his longtime fixer Toma, played by Yuen Wah, washed up assassin Takuya, played by Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, agrees to kill a wealthy CEO. Although his heart isn't in it, Takuya haphazardly prepares for the hit, all while drinking heavily and insulting Toma, who insists on some kind of professionalism. After the mission is a success, Takuya celebrates with a debauched party, featuring a cameo by... Jeremy Piven, his buddy Israel! Hey. Yeah, Everybody's favourite character, good old Aces Better than just himself. a name drop. <laughs> <laughs> Until he notices that Toma is depressed, and he leaves to cheer his friend up with a karaoke session at a dive bar.
2: So this this is going to be a it's a very much a background plot that doesn't connect to anything else apart from showing up. Like there's going to be news reports going in, in the background of oh, yeah. like this absolutely wild mission that they're going on that we just occasionally check back back in on. Cool. Um, as, uh, and for people who don't know uh, when he is uh, the landlord from Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. I was going to
1: say
0: he's <laughs>
2: that's amazing. My, that's
1: my reference point yeah. for him. You yeah. yeah. And Kari Hiroki Takawa, uh, who I uh, used in... Um, we used in our um, Poltergeist 2. And also yes. his, you did, yes. But let's face it, that's not what people know him for. People know him because your soul is mine. That's why soul I know him. Is
2: mine. <laughs> he is Shang Tsung uh, <laughs> and uh, more recently in stuff like The Man uh in the High Castle. The high castle. Yeah.
1: He's good yeah. in that, yeah. Julius, Victor and Marco. Julius Stone, Scott Adkins, who we uh, briefly mentioned in our... Okay, Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Victor Gates... Michael J. White. I fucking love me some Michael J. White. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. He's, he's,
0: he's fucking he's black Spawn dynamite he motherfucker. He's Spawn. he's yeah, black yeah. dynamite.
1: Uh, I need. didn't um Alec and Stuart bring him in in their um Spider-Man pitch as well, I think. Yes. He's a guy we'd always love to bring Was in. Was he, he's wasn't he a
0: Prowler in there? I want to see him. Yes,
1: yeah. Because he's yeah, he's, yeah. he's a fucking great actor. He's people forget he's in the fucking Dark Knight as well. Um mm-hmm. yes. yeah, he did a bunch of stuff. That's yeah, great. Anyway. These two individuals carry out a daring daytime hit, taking out a mob boss and his entourage at a restaurant. They escape using a getaway car drive by Marco, who's Kung Lee. And Kung Lee... Who is an MMA fighter. Yeah, I <laughs> yes. know him from... The Man with the Iron Fists. I want to say. Correct. Uh, yes. The RZA yes. film. Which, again, yes. I have that on Blu-ray. I like it, and I like
3: it. sequel. I like that film.
1: And they're not
0: yeah. good.
3: <laughs> but he's, <laughs> he's, he's
0: a good fighter. And I know Kung Lee from... Strike Force, the short lived MMA promotion. That's oh, where God. I was first introduced to him. That's interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's also in uh, Tekken. Oh, of course Fuck he that is. Film. I love yes. Tekken,
1: the game, so much. It's my favorite There's
0: franchise.
2: a bunch of
1: MMA fighters in no. Tekken for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Tekken's a piece of shit. So it is. Not, not the game franchise, which is amazing. So yeah, Marco, who is good friends with Victor, but who seems to dislike Julius. After the job, Victor is keen to arrange another hit for the trio to work on. But Marco asks w- that they wait until the heat has died down afterwards a suspicious Julius tracks Marco to his home and infiltrates it finding surveillance footage of himself and Victor kissing in the like realizing that Marco is in fact an undercover cop Julius goes to warn Victor but encounters Marco returning home the pair briefly fight Can't and lights in
0: there yeah. Fucking badass
1: yeah yeah but Julius is able to escape a few days later on the 4th of July oh not the 19th of April Okay. Um, (laughs) A few days later, on the 4th of July, Julius and Victor have relocated to a new safe house and are preparing for another job when Marco appears, holding the pair at gunpoint. He explains that he is an FBI agent and Julius is responsible for the death of his old partner. He prepares to kill both of them when fireworks go off outside, distracting him long enough for Julius to kill him. Love it.
2: So the daytime hit that they do at the beginning um, is kind of the first... Big action scene uh, of the film, and uh, it's I, I'm basically I'm taking my hints from Pokemon here <laughs> in a uh, Hitmonlee, Hitmonchan oh, division okay. of labour. So you're going to have Scott Adkins doing lots of kicks and Michael Joe White doing lots of punches. That's a good
1: mix. I like that. Uh,
2: and yeah, that and that 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 big action scene, as we'll see as we go through, kind of ties together a few of the other characters as well. And it is, uh, so that's, is, that's come- our kind of big set piece to start with.
0: Has Kung Lee hit him on top where he's just doing capoeira and spinning
2: around? (laughs) (laughs) If if he's capable of it, yeah. I
1: assume so. Why not? MMA does all stuff, doesn't
2: he? Yeah. Uh, Right. Hudson and Magdalena. Expert marksman Hudson Trask, played by Sterling K. Brown.
0: Yeah. Love me some Sterling K. Brown.
2: Is at the same restaurant hit as Julius and Victor and was also attempting to kill the mob boss, but was beaten to the kill by the pair of close-quarters assassins. Frustrated, he takes a job in El Salvador, where he's supposed to eliminate a witness for a cartel. However, an Argentinian sniper called Magdalena Viago, played by Mia Maestro, has also been hired to do the same job, and the pair continually spoil each other's shots, alert the guards to the other's location, and even sabotage each other's vantage points, at one point dropping them both into a lake just before they can take a kill shot. Despite their contentious relationship, A friendly rivalry develops between the two, until Hudson is called back to America. There, his fixer informs him that another rival cartel has placed a bounty on both his and Magdalena's heads, as they are not sure who actually took out the witness in the end. Realising that Magdalena could be killed, he races back to El Salvador, and locates her in time for the pair to fight off a wave of cartel enforcers sent to eliminate her.
0: The Tremors. Yeehaw. (laughs) Fritz Tremor as we know, played by Michael Parks, yes! is the patriarch of the Tremor family and nominally in charge of a sizable meth operation. He's married to Irene, played by Anne Dowd, who in fact does most of the work of running their drug empire and loaning out to their sons Jeeves and Lester as muscle when needed. Kim, played by Gina Gershon,
3: mm. a
0: new member of the Tremors gang, flirts with Fritz, who does little to discourage her. A drug deal attended by Marco. Ah, let's start tying to together, here we go who Kim apparently knows from previous jobs together, Fritz embarrasses Jeeves when he attempts to make a move on Kim and promotes her within the gang, letting her run an upcoming hijacking. Whilst at an underground arms deal, Fritz calls Kim to find out her favourite gun and Irene almost catches him purchasing a modified AR-15 from an extremely talkative salesman called Raphael, played by... Christopher... Motherfucking Lambert! <laughs> you want an AR-15, my friend? I can do that for you. I cannot see, but I can do it. This is highly modified, my friend. <laughs> and you can you can enjoy this uh, assault rifle 15. And oh, of course, it's the, a Mortal Kombat the, crossover. You're, yeah, casting, <laughs> you're casting all the, the fucking Montel, Neville Dean it, and Taylor. It's video game. the The, the theme is video game movie <laughs> people because you've got. The guy, One of the guys from Tekken, you got a few of the guys from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I, I've sussed you, Tim. I've sussed you.
1: I was like, Neville Dean Taylor worked with um, Christopher Lambert in um, Ghost Rider and after this as well. So it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's, oh, that, that, that actually fit, Rather than just us pissing about <laughs> going, that'd be funny, that fits.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no. Oh. There can be only AR-15s. I bet he has to make a Highlander
0: reference at this. <laughs> Handing over there can be only one gun for you or something. Anyway, later on, Irene discovers the assault rifle painted with a heart among Fritz's belongings. As the family is preparing for their 4th of July cookout, of course, Fritz presents Irene with a large box, which she initially thinks is the AR 15, but turns out to be a new vacuum cleaner. Realizing that the rifle was meant for someone else, she confronts Fritz and chases him out of the house with a shotgun, pursuing him until she is eventually arrested by local police. Okay, I think I've clocked on to something. We'll get that. To, we'll get to that at the end. Mm, okay. it's, the,
1: it's the face moment. Mm-hmm. Burke and Natalia, special agent David Burke, Judd Nelson, is the new deputy head of an ATF. Uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, I believe. Uh, task force aiming to take down an online marketplace for assassins. He has recently apprehended for infamous poisoner Natalia Tarasova, which is Natasha Henstridge. Nice. And is holding her for interrogation. Burke seems to be making progress and in gaining information from Tarasova, but he's interrupted by DEA agent Carlton Husk, Eric fucking Roberts.
3: <laughs>
2: Eric Roberts, who must have the longest fucking IMDb page I've ever seen, because he's a yeah. star in any <laughs> He'll fucking shit. Yeah. fucking
1: job. Him and Silvino Jesus. Um, Eric Roberts. I remember what, what was the, the sequelizer's episode where Tim Tim brought up Eric Roberts. It's like, oh, it's always oh, it's, it's it was Battle Royale too. Where Tim was like, it's like if Eric Roberts <laughs> turns up and he's playing a criminal, but it's just Eric Roberts playing Eric Roberts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Carlton Husk, Eric Roberts, who attempts to claim jurisdiction over Natalia. Husk attempts to take over Tarasova's interrogation, claiming to Burke that she has changed her mind and will only speak with the DEA. Burke discovers this isn't true and confronts Husk. He manages to keep Tarasova under ATF jurisdiction, but Husk gets revenge by having Burke transferred to a different case. Ah, Judd Nelson. 2011 Judd Nelson as well, He's, he's like, um... Like he, he he just did a couple of years before he did uh, the um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back sort of thing. Oh, of course, goes, yeah. "Oh yes. fuck, it's actually Judd Nelson." You have to remind us like who he is. Like that's what's his face from fucking Breakfast Club. Anyway, sorry. Yeah,
2: yeah. So it's yeah, called. Cool he's that- starring. He's starring in stuff like Bigfoot Wars. Around this <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I need that. Whatever that is in my life. I don't know if we do, but
2: okay. No. On July 4th... And and also doing uh, 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 Transformers cartoons, because he was hot rod in the uh, the movie.
1: It was good. On July 4th, as the ATF is preparing for a transfer of prisoners, including Natalia, Burke discovers a note from her left in his files, claiming that she is going to escape. He races to the jail where she is being held, encountering Kim Little, ah, who is revealed to be an undercover FBI agent. Shit. Kim informs him that Natalia is already on her way to the airport and unable to raise the transport on the radio, Burke follows her there. Reaching the airport, he encounters the recently arrested Irene Tremor, his sister, who assumes he is there to gloat over her capture. He finally tracks down the seemingly secure Natalia, who beckons him close to reveal how she plans to escape. You fool. When he is close enough, she bites his neck, injecting a toxin that she has secreted into her mouth, and Burke collapses to the ground, dying. That is more interesting than her ampoule on her lip, fucking, <laughs> fucking Batman Robin rubber lips bullshit. I'm so cold. Is it normal to feel
3: cold? <laughs> it's not a good thing, right? Fuck that. No.
2: Uh, Finbar and Sam. Finbar McTeague, Vinny Jones, mm. is an ex SAS operative, occasionally hired by Irene Tremor. Now we're talking. After the death of his partner, he is attempting to train a new one a former British soldier named Sam Buckingham, played by Michelle Ryan. Ah, Michelle Ryan. Brits will know from EastEnders, and Americans may know from the short-lived Bionic Woman uh, uh, reboot. Yep. Uh, While Sam shows promise, she is focused on freeing her boyfriend, Joe Malachowski, played by Jason London,
3: Mm. uh,
2: from prison. McTeague eventually relents, and he and Sam begin preparations to spring Joe from prison when he is being transferred the same transport that Natalia and Irene are on. Mm. When Burke is attacked by Natalia, Finbar calls off the operation, despite Sam's protests. Sam reminds him of the bond and sense of loyalty that he shared with his former partner, and persuaded by her words, Finbar and Sam race to the plane's destination, arriving just as it lands, and staging a massive assault on the guards, freeing the assembled prisoners.
0: Janice, Rod, and of course, Special Ken.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love these titles,
0: Tim. It's just, just character <laughs> names, but if, it's great.
1: If if Special Ken, Tim, turns out to be someone with, like, a, a mental disability, we're going to have problems. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like oh, like the, the f- His his only disability is massive stupidity. Excellent. That's fine.
1: That's fine. I wonder if we're going to do the, well, you know, the Smoking Aces 2 thing.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: The big fat guy's got learning difficulties. No. Nah. Janice Kamensky, played by Alex Borstein, mm. is a mob lawyer who first appears at Julius and Victor's daytime hit, where she attempts to signal Hudson to take his shot before the scene descends into chaos. She has ties to the Tremor family's business, and next shows is up at the drug deal with Marcus, accompanied by her boorish senior partner, Rod Chuglitz, played by Ken Marino. That, <laughs> that's kids. not Special Ken, that's Ken the actor.
2: That's Ken the actor. Who is a Special Ken? He is <laughs> a Special Ken.
1: To his mum
0: who she fantasises about killing. When Chocolates overindulges on cocaine during the deal, she believes her chance has finally come, but she's called away by another client, a particularly stupid, low-level gangster called Special Ken, played <laughs> by Eddie K. Thomas.
2: <laughs> best best known for the American Pie films. Yes. yes, definitely.
0: Later, on July the 4th, Special Ken calls Janice while she and Rod are at business lunch and tells her he has arranged a special surprise for her makes sense he's special Ken (laughs) Janice is briefly excited but her hopes are soon dashed when the valet goes to collect a car and it explodes special Ken having placed the bomb in the wrong vehicle (laughs) oh special Ken
1: (laughs) oh special Ken Hollis Ramos and the hunting party in the aftermath of the Julius and Victor hit former detective Hollis Elmore from you know attempts to convince the cop's Present that multiple assassins Were at the scene And they need to take The situation more seriously Detective Ramos Hector Elizondo Really good move there Yeah um, Pretty woman I think
2: everyone's in before Here's my little nod To the Gary Marshall films Because he's in Every one of those fuckers Because uh, Gary Marshall loves him <laughs> Yeah exactly
1: He Isn't he also in uh, Jedi Fallen Order recently Yes As he the, is Yeah yeah Just a little thing Anyway Detective Ramos dismisses Elmore's concerns and Hollis announces his intention to find evidence of a network of assassins and restore his place on the police force. Spoilers. He loses his hand. Um <laughs> Following a tip from an old contact, Hollis travels to Mexico where he encounters a trio of female assassins played by Amber Stevens West, Summer Basil, and Daniela Pineda. Now, yeah. I know those names. And I don't know why I know those names.
2: Okay, so... um. And this was one of these. This was one of these levels of roles where I was like, realistically, in a director DVD film, these can be played by no-name actors. Sure. But I might as well chuck some names in there. Um. So these are all actresses who have started around this time mm. and would go on to do bigger and better things. That makes sense. Uh, so Amber Stevens West is probably best known for. Uh, she plays uh, the captain's daughter in Twenty Two Jump Street. Oh. oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, Summer Bashil is in uh, the Magicians, the sci-fi series based okay. on the the book. She's very good in that. And Daniela Pineda is uh, she's in...
1: in. I know that one. She's in Jurassic World, isn't she? Oh no, Fallen Kingdom, isn't
2: she? She's in Fallen Kingdom, in Fallen Kingdom. and yes. she's going to be yes. Faye Valentine in the new uh, Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy film Bebop. Yeah. Film. Yeah. Yeah.
1: that's why I know her. Yeah,
2: she was actually all right in,
0: uh,
1: in 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 Fallen Kingdom. She's, she's quite sassy, which is one of the one of the best things in Fallen Kingdom.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. So yes. They are the trio of female assassins. Who then drug him, dress him as a pig, and chase him through the countryside, eventually driving him towards their home, uh, where he briefly encounters their leader, Elena Satine. Uh,
2: yeah, and again, oh, again. Uh, another... Uh, she is in The Gifted, um, the kind of uh, X-Men tangentially related uh, TV <laughs> oh, series. Series, yeah. She was briefly in Smallville. Uh, she oh, played good. Uh, Mira. Uh, she's in... Uh, revenge She's cropped up In quite a lot of things I don't think
1: I, I Again I know the name But I don't think I know The only thing I know About Revenge Is it's Counting Monte Cristo I think mm. um, But uh, no I, Again I assume That's all cool And would work perfectly I have no comment And it's the same thing mm-hmm. As you already said You're getting people in Who would be Either no names Or To be fair Nobody really watched Smoke and Aces And went <gasps> Chris Pine Oh my god It yeah. was like <laughs> Who's this fucking Dirty dickhead <laughs> Yeah, that's Captain Kirk, <laughs> motherfucker. see <laughs> him again,
2: Behearious star- Kirk. Chris Pine, star of Just My Luck, starring Lindsay Lohan.
1: Yeah. Oh, dear.
2: <laughs> okay, and the last of our threads, uh, Laszlo and Arcady. Laszlo from What We Do in the Shadows? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. Oh. <laughs> Detective Ramos takes a bribe from bomb maker Arcady. Played by Andrew Divoff, hey, who uh, is, <laughs> has been in loads of shit. <laughs> uh, probably best known as the Wishmaster. The Wishmaster uh, stuff, in I think, yeah. Both of those films. Um, he also shows up uh, in Lost as the uh, Russian Dharma guy with an eye patch. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, I know, I know. He, what he's like three different demons in Buffy, uh, an angel. <laughs> He's one of those guys who you'll see his face and you'll go, Oh,
3: that you guy. You look weirdly
2: familiar. And then you yeah. put like a layer of makeup on him and you go, I know who you are. <laughs>
1: he He's also with Tim Curry in Command and Conquer Red Alert 3.
2: <laughs> he is, yes. <laughs> he's he's one of the Russian generals.
1: Spies! spies. <laughs> um, Commander, I don't trust you, but I will work with you. It's, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Good choice. Uh,
2: also a, a Russian in Air Force One, I believe, under ah. Gary Oldman. So, yes, Arcady. Uh, uh, allows him into the city morgue where arcady begins to assemble a bomb inside the corpse of one of the gangsters killed at the massacre from earlier in the film leaving briefly to get a soda he returns to find laszlo soot (laughs) making a mask of one of the other victims after a brief standoff the two return to their work and begin making small talk (laughs) apparently nonchalant about their grisly work after the pair are done they awkwardly exchange details And throughout the film, we see them chatting on the phone while carrying out similar gory tasks, each clearly happy to have made a new friend.
0: (laughs) I think I'm on to you, Tim. I think think I'm on to you. We'll find out after this epilogue. One month later, we catch up with all the characters. Toma tells Takuya that his successful assassination has led to many more offers of work. Julius and Victor spar with each other in preparation for their next hit. Janice calls up Hudson and Magdalena, confirming her target and smiling as they simultaneously take out Rod. Fritz and the Tremor brothers are engaged in a barroom brawl when Irene returns, wielding a spiked baseball bat. Sam and Joe holiday on a beach while at a nearby bar. Finbar plans a heist. Belladonna, leader of the female assassins, drops off a heavily drugged Hollis outside Detective Ramos's apartment. Natalia dons a disguise and heads towards a restaurant where Agent Husk is eating. And Laszlo and Arcady meet up to play some mini-golf.
2: And that is the end of our
0: epilogue. Nice. So Matt, do you have a theory about Tim's theme? <sighs> so
1: this is this is the problem. I have too many theories. Uh, do want to go
2: first? Because I only have one. Okay, I okay. think Jack's got
1: it. Have, have you
0: remade Love Actually with a bunch of assassins? <laughs> I have remade Love Actually yes!
2: with a bunch of assassins.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I was. <laughs> it was. It was. It was the, it was the present for, for Irene, and I was like. That sounds like Alan Right. Yeah. Oh my God. And then the, they casually discuss while well, going through the grizzly work obviously the, the porn actors. And I was like, you motherfucker,
1: Tim. Well yeah. done. <laughs> the, the thing that threw me, because again, it's the it's the, when someone says, oh, it's, it's going to be a thing. I'm like, right. Okay. I'm now looking for the twist. I'm looking for what it might be. <laughs> and the problem is I'm going through a catalog of films in my head. And I'm like, I don't know if Tim knows about these films, but I'm gonna be fucking minor. Um, and then I go too deep and I go, well, obviously it might be fucking sense and sensibility. So the thing that threw me was the pig. Um and I thought to myself, pigs, pigs, is that a nod to something, or is that just you having fun?
2: Uh that's that's I mean, obviously all the all the storylines are sort of adaptations of the storylines yeah. in love, actually. Yes. Uh him be the um uh Hollis Hollis being dressed up as a pig uh is not from blubber actually no that's what
1: threw me cuz i think about all the things like when people are dressed up as donkeys and horses and pigs and i was like there's something here oh, pig police obviously yeah so i went off the deep end but yes i i that that's and the thing is i think it's buried really well you'd end up having like the actors going wait what and no one would ever know i don't i think it would be hard pressed to to get that but yeah well done cuz that was a very enjoyable film Because as well As stupid as this sounds Maybe Reading the pictures is And going through and such You're like This is There's a lot going on Obviously The Christmas sort of Setting and show Of love actually being transported to The 4th of July Kind of sort of mm-hmm. Bit But It's it's very hard as a as as a pitch to get your head around where all the bits are going and pieces and happening and things. Because, of course, it's an ensemble casting. But mm-hmm. when you know the format is already something you're already familiar with, you go, got it. It's great. It's there. So, yeah. And because there are so many interconnected elements as well, I really like them. And I know it would probably work really well. And because it's straight DVD, you wouldn't get as nearly as many people being, hang the fuck on. You can't do that. It's like... Yeah, we can. Nobody's looking. Yeah. <laughs> and the cast is great. It's a really solid bunch of people. And they're, they're the kind of people that it wouldn't cost you a fortune to hire them. You can get most of them for fucking Ben Affleck's fucking price.
2: Yeah, almost everyone in uh, that I cast has done a TV movie or a straight-to-DVD movie nice. within a couple of years of 2011 when I'm having this done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. one of the few standouts is... Sterling K. Brown hasn't done one, but he's also around this period, like, he's just been an occasionally recurring character on Supernatural. So, yeah, like, he has yeah. not broken through to the level that he's now at. He was, like, just a jobbing actor for a very long while and then suddenly, like, was he launched you know, very quickly. Panther and, yeah. you know, yeah, stuff like that.
0: We so. have the advantage that we cast from the future. Backwards, yes. like retroactively casting good actors who yeah. aren't famous yet and all that kind of stuff as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. This, yeah. This,
2: this cast is mainly made up of people who haven't quite made it big yet and people who made it big about 20 years ago and are now <laughs> cheap to get.
1: <laughs> but the thing is, I think all of them are very capable. I think they would do something very interesting. And again, with the cast you have here, much like I said with the original Smoke and Aces in my original review, the caliber. I'm not saying they're like, oh, such award-winning, beautiful cast. But mm. no, but they're quality and they're very functional and capable individuals like Gina Gershon and 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 um Skykins and things like that and Kung Lee and things and obviously Kari Hiroki, Um they're people who are good actors. They can turn up, do the mm. job, take the pay, get out of there, and come out relatively clean. That's nice. Um and all the manic, madcap shit that could go on and have the, these things would be so heightened and so intense because of the nature of Taylor and and, and Neveldine because I think their style is so frenetic and so at the top. Um, I'm glad there's no Jason Statham. I would have gone... <laughs> <laughs> I know he's too big at this point, thankfully, but um, as a favour to friends kind of thing, you do get some people like, you know, oh, you know yeah, we, we yeah, kind yeah. of him. But yeah, I, I, I rather enjoyed that. Trying to think of questions or things I'd fix, but the thing is, it's quite. And this is nothing to do with the actual pitch; it's to do with the format of what we do on sequelizers. It's such an assault of names, faces, and 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 and, and almost anthology like <laughs> stories. Yeah, it takes you a minute to break it down before I like a week I mean, time. I go it, hang it, on. It,
2: it, it's the nature of the film. Yeah, of, yeah, entirely of this type as well. Like it's quite hard to like if you read the Wikipedia entry for Love Actually like it's quite hard to then conceive of what the film looks right, like yeah. which obviously this struggles from the same point you know I think this breaking it down into storylines I think works better than trying to oh to interweave it would be too as much it to keep up with chronologically yeah. but you know hopefully you know you can get, get the sense of the moments of intersection and yeah there's there's kind of the big action set piece at the start as I mentioned with uh, Scott Adkins and, and Michael J. White uh, and then you have the kind of uh, prison break element at the end uh, where it's Vinnie Jones kind of doing his sort of XSAS type stuff and taking out a bunch of prison guards and things and and freeing prisoners.
1: I'm frustratingly drawing a blank because I've got nothing to say that's bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. I'm, I'm so impressed that you managed to get something good out of these Oh, just this, this, this weird world of just well, mediocrity that I, I think... think has a lot of potential, but neither of the original films actually capitalizes on. And I think having it as even like a, a meta level of commentary and going like it's a love actually that ad- adaptation, <laughs> but with assassins hmm. like that. That's another way of injecting some fun into it. And you, you haven't gone for the the tonal bullshit. You haven't got some deadly serious straight character that's like oh yeah taking himself really seriously and blah 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 and then all this crazy martial arts bullshit is happening on in the background like
1: yeah it's more appropriate you've you've
0: done what assassin's ball thinks it did (laughs) and that it goes balls to the wall and goes mad but it doesn't because it's got budget ashens just hanging out (laughs) whereas you haven't got any of the boring fbi stuff there's a couple of twists of undercover agents and stuff but that's the whole point of the, the fucking series, is everyone's mm, undercover mm. all the time. Mm. But you don't have everybody like, Oh, I'm gonna be on the phone to an FBI guy just just for no reason and just uh, yep. We're gonna be in an office for the next forty minutes of this film and this is film is ninety five minutes long, so enjoy that.
2: <laughs> and equally like I haven't got any like clowns being shot at things. No suicide
0: bombing clowns or no. references yeah, yeah. to real life tragedies. Unless yes, you count them tra- actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, which itself references a real life tragedy. Uh, it does. talks about 9-11 in the first moments very and tacked I fucking on. hate it for yeah. it.
1: Love actually would be, uh, I don't mind Love Actually, I think it's alright for much it's very stupid but it's very fun and I think it's a very good Christmas movie for that regards but at the same time, if it if it didn't have that nine eleven thing at the start it would be significantly better.
2: But yeah I've, t- I've tried to kind of tonally bring bring the, the wild swings of of Smoking Aces a little bit together and have it a little bit more tonally consistent. Obviously, some of the storylines are, are more lighthearted than others, but I think by also, by having them separated out that way, it allows you to play with different tones without making it feel like... Like, part of the problem of Smoking Aces is, is that you have Jeremy Piven talking about cinnamon roll jizz on his <laughs> fancy jacket. His and then then like. 45 minutes later, we're supposed to be like, oh man, he's having this long dark dark night of the soul as he, you know, tries to recover from his drug high and and he's facing his own mortality. And it's like, you can't have the same character occupying both those spaces Mm. without really putting in a lot of work which that film doesn't so mm. it's easier to kind of separate it out a little bit
0: i'm just scrolling back through trying to find the andrew lincoln holding up the signs moment like where that, uh, would fit in nicely. that
2: is that is uh marco uh holding um victor and julius at gunpoint.
0: Oh, okay nice uh,
2: <laughs> and, it, and in my version andrew lincoln then gets killed by <laughs> as well he should which is probably what should have
0: happened fucking
2: creep (laughs) yes so yeah we have Kira Knightley played by Scott Adkins in this film (laughs) Brilliant.
1: sign me up (laughs) Um, it it is it is an interesting one because I mean I, I still maintain of this entire series no spoilers for what's to come that the hardest job of a prequel was Jack with the thing that was genuinely the, were the, 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 mm. the, the most unenviable the It's the hardest task. thing to
0: write that I've ever written for this show. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: This one yeah. is... It's torturous. Not necessarily a close second, but it's a difficult one to come back to because you like to say, like, What is smoking Aces? But the thing is, smoking Aces gives you so much to work back with because the characters are so wacky and it sets the universe right. And you can make the tone work, as Tim has here, and you can take the bits that are so heightened and memorable. And to be fair, Assassin's uh, Assassin's Ball, Smoking Aces 2, does try to do that. It's like, well, the Tremors are really crazy. People remember the Tremors. Put them in. But you've also got, you know, uh, Elmore, the Elmore character in there as well. Mm. And I think that makes sense. That's your, that is basically, I guess, your bit of grounding. Um, in a weird way. Well part of the bit of the grounding, I should say. And it and even then he's not grounding, it's just the pig. Um But I think I think that's that, that 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 opportunity to do something that's that's so madcap because the thing is again with, as we've mentioned about all these episodes the prequels have to feed into it somehow this doesn't feel like just a name drop in the first one of, of Smoke and Aces Two which is oh this guy Buddy Israel like, oh, well done it feels like it's actually connected in a way and feeds sort of into that film because you know a bit more about certain characters but not enough that it's actually feeling like. A direct consequence of it because unless you mm. do a Buddy Israel story that's boring and goes nowhere, it doesn't reveal anything because it's not happening well, until the that next is film. The little
0: montage at the beginning of the first film, basically.
1: E- exactly, yeah. unless you do that, then you don't make what would be considered a narrative direct prequel. But because you have the world building prequel, which is what this is at the end of the day, mm. I think it's a good job. I think it, 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 it does it rather well. Again, really hard to wrap your head around visually. But then if you think about it, because again, because we know Love Actually and these things like, you know, Valentine's Day and all that stuff exists. Mm. And we know we can see the sort of directorial style, the really crazy energy and probably, frankly, a fucking eyesore. Like like Crank, for example. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I, I can't watch this shit. I, it's, I'm trying so hard to keep up with this. It's so many people. It could almost. Yeah, fuck it. I will say this. I think releasing it as a director DVD thing is another part of the genius of it because if you did this in the cinema, I think you'd be lost. Whereas if you're in the <laughs> DVD, you go, fuck, stop, stop, pause. Who the fuck is this now? <laughs> and you rewind back in like two scenes. I thought so, right, go back again. It's fine, it's fine. In the same way that like Alan Moore was talking about comics and say, oh, you can go back a couple of pages on a comic and like, yeah, you can do the same thing on a video or a DVD. Um, but um, yeah, that makes sense that you would be able to, you know, keep up with it in that regards. And yeah, I think it works.
2: I think, I think that's probably the only, because I think... I, I, it took me ages to think of a, a director because, especially when you're trying to think about uh, a directed like director DVD actors, there's kind of things that you can go to and think of, like okay, who's kind of working at that level? Yeah, and, you yeah. know, people who who were big before and and who haven't made anything good in a while and, and stuff like that. But it's so hard to think of distinctive directors who are working at that level because they're yeah. largely paid to be pretty generic, and so and I didn't want For to just sure. pick. A generic person but neville dean and taylor to me work so well as people who could carry the torch for that kind of world mm. but i do think that there there would be a slight worry that their style would make it so difficult to follow even a conventional narrative that having them do something this fractured i might be shooting myself in the foot but yeah you know no who, I who think, cares yeah i, yeah. <laughs> I
1: think I, I'm, I'm trying to think of an alternative suggestion because i think you're right to make it work as a, a straight DVD to release, you have to get a certain individual. And they have to be one who has enough of a personality and a visual style that makes them work, but not so much so that they actually would progress into the cinematic territory around this time anyway. And that is very tricky. Um, I think there are individuals you could probably think of if I had if I a little bit longer to to ponder on it, and it wasn't so goddamn late at night, and I wasn't so tired. <laughs> but um, yeah, Because, yeah, you have you can't just do carnahan light. You have mm. to do that's that. the problem with the second one, isn't it? Yeah, precisely. Exactly. Yeah, you have the, to do that. The times thing that's 10. worse than the original is the is the imitation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, more imitation. And they wouldn't be doing an imitation of Carnahan; they'd be doing their own thing with a sort of with that uh, blueprint, as it were. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I get it. I think it's a good fix for me. I, I think it'd be. I, I think this would be very fun. It may not be brilliantly good in the terms of like an actual film. I might go, this is this deserved to be on fucking DVD. But it'd be a very fun film. And that is one thing that I thought Smoke and Aces was quite fun, actually. Smoke and Aces 2 was fucking dull. Halfway mm. through, about 45 minutes into it, I thought, Jesus Christ, what has happened so far? And then as it was all winding up, I thought it was already over. I was like, how is there 20 more minutes of this shit left to go? <laughs> and it just sort of crawled to a, a, a it's, you know... Ending, but um, yeah, decent.
2: I uh, I hope that listeners who uh didn't manage to spot what I was doing uh on the, on the first listen through have fun going, going back, back through because yeah. obviously we you guys have the script or the, or the pitch that you can look at and, and work out, yeah, exactly. know, what corresponds to what. Uh, I hope listeners have fun going back and re listening and going like, oh, so Kari Hiroyuka Tagawa is uh, is Bill Nye and stuff like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a sentence I never thought I'd hear, but sure.
2: Yeah. Um, but yes, like you say, I, when I was writing this, I was like, I'm not sure I've written a good film here, but I've had fun writing it.
0: <laughs> and that's the important thing on sequelizers.
2: Exactly. Slash prequelizers.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: You, you've made
1: a better film than Smoke and Aces 2. That is part of Which the reason not- of the show. not. Uh, not hard.
2: Yes, which is not particularly hard. Yeah. Um but to make you know, this good, I'm,
1: you'd have to defy the nature of what smoke and aces was in the first place, which we always find I is a difficult. To say. Yeah. <laughs> what have you made? I've made heat. Like, right. That's yes. <laughs> that's not what we needed right now. <laughs> I've made Day of the Jackal. Yeah, Day of the Jackal, but bear with me, the assassination is done by a giant cannon flying <laughs> a clown. It's like that, that's a monstrous idea. Oh, wait, there's more. I've cast Richard Gere and Bruce Willis. Oh, the remake.
3: <laughs> oh, God.
2: Jack Black gets his arms shot off. It's great. He does. <laughs> anyway, before we go through every film featuring an assassin that is better than Smoking Aces. Most of them. <laughs> uh, we should thank everyone for listening. Thanks. And say that if you want to get in contact with us and let us know what you thought... Let us know if, when you realised uh, that you were listening to an adaptation of Love Actually, <laughs> but with Assassins.
0: Like I said, my moment was with the AR-15. That was definitely yes. the moment for me. I was like,
2: <gasps> <gasps> Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. We are at Sequelizers. Uh, we're also on Instagram. Uh, you can email us if you have uh, uh, something, a uh, question you want to ask us or comments you want to make. We are sequelizers at gmail.com uh, and you can also also join our lovely community on our Discord uh, where we have a bunch of really friendly folks uh, chatting about uh, the show, movies, TV. Pretty much we've kind of got topics as, as diverse as pets and science and stuff like that uh it's just a, a fun place to hang out if you're if you're online and, and fancy chatting with some like-minded folks
1: i shared something in the science chat today it was a uh the sound a Neanderthal would make a chord of their vocal cords, And I'll give you a spoiler.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen so many recuts of that Fucking already, awful. of just replacing the noise <laughs> with different things. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, you can find the link to our Discord. Uh, it's on our Facebook page, which we also have, facebook.com slash sequelizers. Uh, it's pinned at the top of our Twitter account um, and uh, basically everywhere on our social media.
0: It's also linked on our website, which is sequelizers.com. There's a little Discord link at the top there, right next to the link to our shop, our online store, where you can buy T-shirts and the posters from Season 5. So You can go and enjoy some some Nightfall, some Escape from Liberty, some Star Trek V, The Stars Above. Mm. All three posters now available as a triple pack or individually to lovely little listeners, all Beautifully handcrafted by Mr. John Scarrett and uh, printed very nicely by our friends at Ripe Digital as well. They're really cool. They're they're A3-sized, really nice card, beautifully printed, really well designed, and, uh, yeah, we're really really proud of them. So if you do want to go and check those out, you can go to the shop on our website, which is sequelizers.com slash shop if you want to go straight there and get yourself some sweet merch. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to support us, in another financial kind of way, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, where we have tiers all the way from $1 up to $50, where you can support us for a variety of different rewards, including the outtakes and bonus content that we like to make around these episodes, early access, ad-free episodes, voting on upcoming episodes, picking your own film for us to sequelize slash prequelize in the future. Mm -hmm. You can do that on the highest tier as well. And of course... You can also get a shout-out, like our executive producers can, such as, we we mentioned Shang Tsung himself earlier on, so it feels appropriate (laughs) that I'll start off with Mr. Mike Salvia. Jonathan Firth-Clark. And, of course, Stuart Main. The man with notoriously terrible taste in films.
1: (laughs) Fucking hell, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and we love him. That's not even touching kick. that one. But, but,
2: but we love him anyway. <laughs> we oh love yeah,
0: him yeah. Anyway. Obviously. Obviously.
2: Let's it takes man, all corks to make a world.
0: A man who prefers Tron Legacy to Blade Runner 2049 and Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> yeah. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> if you want to discuss controversial film opinions, of course you can do it on our Discord or you can hit us up directly. I am JLW Chambers on Pretty much everything, Matt. If they want to discuss controversial film opinions with you on the internet, how can they do it?
1: Stogs, S T O G H Z, uh, the various social medias. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read the reviews I write. Again, there's not very many. Including
0: smoking Aces,
1: huh? That's a very old one, but mm. you can, yeah. Mm. That was the 85th review I wrote. Wow, I've now done like six, seven hundred or something like that. Fucking hell, anyway. <laughs> Uh, you can also go to com and see the various things we make, including very dour, serious, uh, dark dramas and fun, silly stuff. They don't cross over randomly and don't work, thankfully. <laughs> That's a <That's actually> <laughs> like a normal person. But yeah, Super Happy Kill Time. If you want to see a, a, a thing about a group of, assassins, of wacky assassins doing crazy shit and having fun. And again, it's massively award-winning. It does very well internationally, so people like it. Koreans fucking love it. Koreans especially fucking love it. South Koreans love it. I don't know about North Koreans. I don't think they like it. Um, Tim, if uh, you want to spread North Korean propaganda, where do you do that?
2: Uh, I do that mostly uh, on the dark web. But if people are looking for my more accessible (laughs) internet presence, then TriviaLad, Trivia underscore lad on Twitter uh, is uh, where I can be found. That's the best place to find me. Um, Let me know. Uh, your thoughts on love actually a film that I do not enjoy but I thought it would be better if it had murder in it
0: (laughs) you're not wrong Tim you're not wrong
2: it would definitely be improved if Chris Marshall got dressed up like a pig and hunted through the countryside that would
1: be good considering his storyline is I'll go to America and chum my fucking stupid voice Yeah, Uh, pretty much well on that note thank you much for listening
0: everybody and we'll see you next week As we close ever closer to the end of this
1: season, we'll see you all in heaven. Don't worry, you'll all be there.